World's Finest Podcast, Episode 24. Me am not your host, James Doe, and with me are not Michael David Sims. Goodbye, James. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye to you too, sir. So why are we speaking in Bizarro Talk, James? Oh, uh, do we want to let them know now or wait till the fifth episode that we're reviewing today? Oh, I think I think we might have just told them. <laughs> hmm. I think I, I think I might not have already told them. You're right. You are not right. <laughs> Uh, oh god <laughs> can you imagine that's what we should have done we should have planned it ahead of time that we were going to do the entire episode in bizarro speak oh my god oh, how many how many viewers do you think we would have lost um, all of them all viewers of i mean listen <laughs> oh jesus but okay all that silliness aside how are you uh i've actually had a pretty good couple of weeks i have to say you're still talking in bizarro speak right <laughs> You know that that's pretty funny that you mentioned that, but no, actually, I've literally had a good couple of weeks. So uh, I got to see one of my favorite bands, Flogging Molly, live, and it was a fantastic show. And I don't know if you've ever been to an Irish punk sh- uh, concert, uh, but the pits in those shows are insane. And I was stupid enough to get in the pit the whole show, and I got thrown around and pushed and shoved and hit <laughs> repeatedly. But uh, no bodily injuries. I'm fine. It was a hell of a great show. That's cool. And uh, Smash Brothers came out. Woo! Gotta love that game. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. You you have so much love for that series. I was reading an article on, I think it was IGN. Or I shouldn't say I was reading the article. I just read, like, the first couple of paragraphs of it because you needed to be a member of IGN Insider to read the whole thing. And it Mm -hmm. was not a good commentary on the game. Um, obviously I'm not going to sign up just to read that one article, but, Mm -hmm. uh, the gist of it, I think, I think this is what I got from those first couple of teaser paragraphs was that, you know, it's not a good game just because it's a party game. You understand what I'm saying? Like as a single player game, is that a good game? Because that's the only way I've ever played any of those games, and I've never gotten any enjoyment out of them. But everybody's like, no, it's a multiplayer game. And see, to me, that's a waste of money. And I think that's where this article was going, is if you want just a single-player, you know, beat up you know, type thing, fighting game, you're not going to get that here. You're, you, it has to be a party game. Am I right in that assumption? More or less. Yeah. I mean, uh, I will say that they're the single player mode that they added to this this game the subspace emissary is pretty fun yeah. in my opinion anyway i don't know i i can see why people wouldn't really dig it but i liked it okay. and uh yeah and f- for the most part it is a multiplayer game but you know i mean at least now you can play online so you even if you don't have like a bunch of friends who can come over and you can just like chill out and play for hours on end you can at least play online yeah but you, it has to be people that are already in your friends list right no, you can play with anybody. Oh, really? And, and they, yeah, you can just it'll. In fact, they give you the option. You can play strictly with your friends, or you can play um, online against anyone. Oh, so it's more like Xbox Xbox Live in that regard, then. 
Exactly. Oh, see, because I was afraid when Nintendo started do- doing their whole online stuff, it was going to be you can only play with the people you have codes of, and that's stupid. That's I hate the whole friends code thing. I think it's dumb. Um, and I thought they were going to carry that over into the multiplaying experience, online multiplaying experience, I mean. So I'm glad to see they didn't, that I can start playing someone in, you know, Japan if I wanted to. Good, good. Okay. Well, you know, I shouldn't say if I wanted to. The I was generally speaking because I'm not buying the game. So, <laughs> But yeah. how are you playing? Are you playing with the Wiimote or with the uh, classic controller? I'm playing with the Wiimote really just out of necessity right now because I don't have a GameCube controller. Yeah, I, should, I need to go right. Buy. I should note when I say classic controller, I mean the GameCube controller, not the not the classic one. Pardon that. I do have I actually do have a classic controller, but it's a little too small for my liking. Okay. So, but uh, eventually I'm going to get a GameCube controller. Actually, probably tomorrow because since I have to go to school tomorrow and there's a mall, a big mall right out there with a GameStop, I'll just stop in there and get yeah, one. Yeah, you can get a used one for cheap. I bet. Yeah, except I was going to buy a used one, except the the GameStop near my store had only two, and they both had really nasty-looking sticky junk all oh, over them, so yeah. not going not gonna to mess with no, that. No, no, not at all. I've heard that uh, maybe, I mean, I, I don't know if you'll know, but I've heard that playing with the actual remote is a lot harder than just playing with the controller. Have you heard that, too? Is that true, you know? Yeah, the Wiimote, I, yeah, I'm not, I don't overly like it but it's not like impossible to use or anything mm. like that so and i i beat the the single player mode on you know like I don't know, very hard difficulty or whatever the hell it is with it so i got used to it after yeah. playing with it for about mm, 20 minutes oh, oh okay huh, yeah well still i say yeah yeah <laughs> you know there isn't anything that's coming out on that system that's intriguing me right now i know st- I- that's and that's that's the thing nintendo is really going to get hurt this year because the only other title they really have coming out this year is mario kart oh yeah when does that come out is that soon or is that a little later in the year? i want to say summer but i don't know for sure because i'll buy that and i'll buy that on the day it launches because i, I yeah, love that I dig- franchise yeah i've heard there's motorcycles in this one is that true that I, I don't know. I, I know very little about the game itself. I just know that I'll probably get it just because it's a Mario yeah, Kart game. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, Nintendo's going to get smoked this year. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think Xbox is going to get smoked by PS3, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyways, I've enough of that. A lot here. What about you? Uh, uh, you know, I'm good. I am what I am. You know, I'm Popeye. Um, it's just, you know, not, nothing new here. My life doesn't change for the most part, which I guess is a good thing. Um, but what we should mention is what you and I did recently, sir. For our listeners, okay, for our listeners that don't know, even though I, I mention it all the time, not only do I co-host World's Finest Podcast, but I also co-host Earth2.net, the show. Well, for episode 199, which aired this past Friday, which would have been, what what was the date? The 14th of March, James? I believe yeah. so, yes. Uh, for that episode, I and a special co-host by the, names of, by the name of James Doe reviewed Justice League, The New Frontier, the DVD that was released at the end of February. So if there are any World's Finest Podcast listeners that want to hear that, you have to go to iTunes and look up Earth2.net, the show, and look for episode 199. And there you go. You'll get to hear us discussing that. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine. Just go to earth2.net. That's earth-number2.net. And uh, there's a link on the main page. It's in the archives. You'll be able to find it pretty damn easily, even if you're listening to this show like a year from now. 
you know, you could still go into the archives and hear our discussion about Justice League, the new frontier. It was a fun talk. I think we spoke uh, for about over two hours and about 15 minutes, James. <laughs> Yeah. On a 70-minute we... movie. It's only 70 minutes, and we spent two hours and 20 minutes discussing it. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was... That's how damn good it yeah, was. Yeah, it was. It, was just, it just blew my mind how awesome that was. Um, the reason we didn't do it on this show, on World's Finest Podcast, is obviously is obvious. It doesn't fall into the DC animated universe, and that's what we discuss on this show. Really? So I decided, hey, I want to review this. I want to review it with James. The only place we could do it is over on Earth2.net, the show. So there we go. So there we go. Definitely... Go listen to that one, guys. Um, also, another thing I want to mention in regards to Earth2.net, the show. Do you know what this upcoming Friday is, James? Would that be episode 200? That would be episode 200, but thank you for shilling for that. But that's not what I wanted to mention. That's actually not what I wanted to mention. This Friday, oh. which is the 21st of March, is the one-year anniversary of the world's finest segment on Earth2.net, the show. Remember how <laughs> that 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 lovely, uh, just clean, crisp sounding segment we had. Yeah. There. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for, for, you know, for those of you that don't know, maybe if you're new listeners, uh, World's Finest Podcast actually launched as a segment on Earth2.net, the show. James and I, we loved do, doing it. And we said, hey, you know what? Let's just make it its own podcast. So about a month later, we actually launched the World's Finest Podcast uh podcast um that's like saying atm machine but anyways um we, we launched that a month later but yeah our world's finest segment that would of course blossom out into this lovely show debuted on the 21st of march 2007 so this friday which is also episode 200 is the one-year anniversary of the birth of world's finest podcast as a segment that sounds so weird because we have two anniversaries i'm trying to make that clear because uh mm -hmm. the the actual show wfp launched on uh, the 25th of April of last year. Um, so, yeah. So, we have another anniversary coming up real soon. And to celebrate that, a few days after 25th, the 25th of April, um, on uh, the 30th of April, uh, World's Finest Podcast number 27 will air. In 27, oh, yes. we'll be reviewing World's Finest, the three-part epic. So, it's almost like we planned it. It's, I swear, it, it's, it's so cool that <laughs> Our anniversary is just a few days before the discussion of World's Finest. That, that's got me so excited. So there's yeah, something you can look forward cool. to, guys. Um, if you think we've gushed over things before, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Good no. Lord. We're, we're going we're gonna to be like, oh, my God, this was so cool. Oh, my God, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, we, almost, we should almost just do a commentary for it. Because otherwise, if, if we don't do a commentary, if we don't give ourselves a time limit, we're just going to talk about that movie for about like seven hours, you know, and I don't know if anybody wants a seven hour episode of world's finest podcast. I, I just don't think anybody wants it, but if we sit down and do a commentary, we're limited to like 60 minutes or however long those three parts came to be. Oh, but then we're going to leave out stuff. You know that. I know. You know, we can, we can do alternate <laughs> commentaries. We can sit down and do one commentary and then we can do it, watch it again and get in more thoughts. We can do like five commentaries. <laughs> So we're going to get back up to about that five hour right, or six, six hour mark. Five hours, but they can decide which one they want to listen to. Do they want this commentary where we talk about this or this one where we talk about that? There you go. Yeah, yeah that's what we should do. <laughs> God, it's like we're asking people to text their votes to a number or something. <laughs> uh, do you want to get to some email? Yeah, I think we should do okay. that. 
Okay, our first one is from our friend in Mexico, Monica, who writes, Hey guys, a suggestion in the show. You should keep track of how many trains Superman saves. <laughs> it's like every two episodes he saves one. You know, we already have our robot alert, so mm-hmm. we might as well have a train alert. I can say in this episode of World's Finest Podcast, um, he doesn't save any trains. But no. she is right. In the previous episodes that we've covered, he saved a lot of trains. So, yeah, they were relying on a couple of crutches in those early episodes. Robots and train saving. <laughs> well, what are you going to yeah. do? Uh, our next one is from Eric, who writes, Hey, guys, I'm listening to episode 23 and loving it. Congrats on the promotions, James. Hope you'll still have time for the podcast. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Believe me. Uh Wow, guys, freezing rain is the worst. My immune system is tricky. Whenever it rains, I get sick. I hate it, too. Hope Jen is doing she better. She is. Thank you. Okay. Wow, Chris, great review on the Batman's version of the Terrible Trio. And yes, this version is better than BTAS's version of the Terrible Trio. I'm not really sure how much that says, but anyway. Yeah. I really hope that the Batman's ending isn't, re- isn't a result of the writer's strike, and that we, we, will, uh, ugh, we will be getting a Justice League spinoff. No. Um, actually, somebody on the forums uh, explained what they what generally happens with these shows. Um, do you want to explain it to him, Mike? Yeah, it's basically, um, I'm not sure the reason why it was explained on the forums, but I still don't get it. But they want to get about six, what is it? It's 48 or 60. 13, it was 13 times 5, so 65 episodes. Right, yeah, they want to get about 65 episodes um, out of a cartoon series, because then what? Is that the magic number for syndication for a cartoon or something? For some reason, yeah. yeah, It's like 13 episode seasons for five years. Yeah, which, if you think about it, is the reason why so many cartoons go about five seasons, and then they just end. I mean, that's what happened to Teen Titans. Um, That's what happened to the Batman. Um, And I'm sure it's happened to, you know, I know it's happened to many other cartoons. Now that it's been pointed out to me, I should say now, you know, I I realize that's what was going on there. But I, I don't get it. I don't get the why that's the magic number, why they just don't, if it's, a, if it's a successful show and they have a successful toy line and a success and a successful tie in comic as some of these do, why don't they continue, continue it and keep it going to make more money? I don't understand why they just kill it. Um, but anyways, with, uh, the Batman ending, you know, I had speculated that it might lead into a, the Batman universe justice league cartoon. It doesn't look like that's happening. Uh, it looks like it's leading into what James, the brave and the bold, I think is the rumor. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, but it's not connected to any universe, supposedly. Not the BTAS universe, not the Batman universe. So there you go. That's what it looks like our next Batman cartoon will be. A brand new, out-of-continuity start. And hey, as long as it's a good cartoon, that's all I care about. The whole issue with the Joker and what should be done after the Dark Knight, what I think they should do is just put in a story that he changed his face. The only thing is that now the actor would have to portray the Joker while imitating Heath Ledger's portrayal. Yeah, see, I, uh, I've mentioned this before. Maybe it was at the forums. Maybe it was on this show. There's a huge problem with that, and that the Joker is already a disfigured character. So you're going to disfigure a disfigured character. On top of that, chances are the third film will feature Two-Face. So you're going to have the Joker further disfigured, starring opposite Two-Face, who half his body is disfigured. You see what I'm saying? It's, that's just too much facial disfiguration for my liking. Yeah. In the episode The Main Man, you asked why Superman is able to pilot a rocket ship. Remember in Superman the movie when Kal-El is going to Earth, he's he's being told the history of Earth. Perhaps this is the same thing that happened to the DCAU Superman. Yeah, there's no way that could have happened because 
um, if you remember in the uh, Christopher Reeve movie, what happened was it took the rocket a couple of years to get to Earth. You remember, we watch baby Kal-El grow up in that rocket. When he lands, he's somewhere about three or four years old. When they put him in the rocket, he was an infant. So Jor-El had time to teach his son certain things. But in this universe, in uh, the BTAS, DCA universe, remember, it entered a wormhole. And he was still an infant when he landed. That doesn't mean it only took a day. Maybe he still traveled for a couple of weeks, but he didn't have years to learn all this stuff, including how to fly a rocket ship. <laughs> good good try, though. Yeah. Good try. Will you guys be reviewing the Lobo webisodes? I, there is a link off of the DCAU wiki, so you can watch all the episodes, same as the Gotham Girls and Batman, the animated series, Sega CD games, and uh, cutscenes. We were going to do the Gotham Girls ones, so we might as well do the Lobo ones, too. Sure. Uh, you mentioned Michael Keaton would be great playing a live-action Lobo. Well, guess what? Andrew uh, Bernarski? Is that how it's pronounced? No, I'd say it. Uh, okay. Who plays Leatherface in the Platinum Dunes TCM series, uh, played a live-action Lobo in the AFI student film The Lobo Christmas Special in 2002. Hmm. I think somebody else in another email we're, we're going to get to later mentions this also. Yeah, I think that was mentioned in at uh, least two emails. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, in the episode Tools of the Trade, you mentioned your gripe about Darkseid's alliance with Mannheim and his trusting the alien weapons to him and Intergang. In my opinion, Darkseid is merely sizing up the planet's defense. How will Earth go, go about alien weaponry? Mannheim is just a pawn in the bigger plan. That's absolutely true. Well, there's no, there's no doubt that he was the pawn, but, but what you it, it, it still is just like, yeah. I mean, it's just weird that he gives it to such a schlub. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that he would give it to a terrorist, um, like to, to Corbin, who, of course, went on to become Metallo. A guy like him is who you expect to get the weaponry, not a mobster. That's, I mean, I understand what Darkseid was doing, but I just, I still call him the question, you know, why Mannheim? That's all. That's all. Okay, next email is from Stuart, who writes about Speedy. Get ready for your, here we go again, Mike. I know, it's never Get ending. Ready. It's never it, and it never will. It never will end. I, you know what? Get ready. I, we, I, I think I've said this before on the show. World's Finest Podcast has a set end. I mean, once we review everything in the DC animated universe, that's it. The show, there's nothing else to review. It's over. Yeah. You know, I, I'm still going to be getting emails five years down the line. No, Teen Titans is not in continuity. Ha ha ha. I'll be like, I'm 40 years old. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not. We're not immortal like. Uh... Hopefully, Earth2.net, the show will be, or Real Dread, or anything. We have a lifespan. Yeah, but I know, I know, I know, I know we're still going to get emails after, afterwards, arg, afterwards arguing this point. I know it. <laughs> anyway, that's fine. I, yeah. I love our rabid fans. And speaking of that, I want to say thank you to everybody who went on iTunes and posted positive reviews of the show. Remember last episode I put out that call? Oh, yes. You know, please continue to do that. If you, if you love what we're doing here, go over to iTunes and post positive reviews. Um, I think, uh, what did we have before? Like four or five, and now we're up to 13. Um, I know how many listeners we have. I know we have a lot more listeners than that, and I mean a lot more listeners than that. Um, so, yes, just go over there and leave a short review, praising us, of course, if you wish. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, seriously. we don't need, you don't need big, long paragraphs, just, you know, a little, little blurb. Yeah. And like I said, I just wanted to thank everybody that did do it and anybody who does do that in the future. So I'm sorry, James, why don't you continue with that email? No, no same here. I totally agree. Um, anyway, about Speedy, get ready for your theory to die because Robin and Speedy were roughly the same age in Teen Titans, right? Right. 
Robin has aged to roughly adulthood by Batman the Animated Series, given he's already in college, which is roughly the age that Speedy looks in that JLU episode, seeing as how it was more or less the same design used in Teen Titans. But wait, JLU is a lot farther in the timeline than BTAS, because given that the new Batman Adventures is quite a bit further ahead than uh, Batman the Animated Series... Given that Dick Grayson is already well out of college into his 20s, as evidenced by old wounds. So, it's clear that the new Batman Adventures is quite a few more years later than BTAS. And then Justice League has to be at least two years later, I'd say, even if that's my theory. uh, theory. Given that it's clear that uh, Justice League spanned quite a long period of time and JLU took place at least a year after Justice League ended. Not only is this referenced in the show at one point, it's clear by the immense changes, i.e. the new Watchtower, the 50 plus members, Earth having been rebuilt from the Thanagarian invasion, there is no way that Speedy could only be a little bit older. Therefore, I think that it was just a neat little homage thrown in there, given that Murakami and Tim are good friends. (sighs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Stuart and I had a rather lengthy back and forth about this. So I'm just going to read the very first email that I sent to him in response to this email right here. Okay. I say... Okay. Assuming Dick slash Nightwing rejoined the Bat family two years after the flashback events of Old Wounds, he'd be 23. What you have to remember is he would have been, uh, he would have graduated college at about 21. So factor in a few years from the end of Gotham Knights to Patriot Act, and he'd be 26-ish. Looking at Speedy and Patriot Act, one could safely say he's in his mid to late 20s too, meaning the same age as Nightwing as, as Nightwing and Flash, his old Teen Titan buddies. So I don't see the problem. Anyways, uh, do, you, do you want to comment on that, James? Tell you the truth, I'm just looking forward to reviewing Teen Titans because I lo- love that show so much. And, uh, you know, and it's going to make sure that World's Finest Podcast keeps going on that much longer. Yeah, y'all should want yeah. us to <laughs> review more stuff. You should be like, review crypto, <laughs> throw in super friends, do that oh, great tax movie, you know, <laughs> just throw shit in. <laughs> Anyway, continuing the email. Also, voice actors mean absolutely nothing. Huh? George Newbern played Superman in The Batman and Justice League, but they're obviously not the same. The same going for Clancy Brown and Lois Lane, uh, and also Kevin Conroy, given that he'll be playing yet another version of The Batman in the Gotham Knight anime. I don't want to all remember the pizza joint in Patriot Act. Okay, yeah, I could be wrong about the pizza joint, but I'm pretty sure it is there in the background. Now, here's the thing. Last episode, when I was mentioning the voice actors, I knew I was going to take some flack from it. I didn't know from Stuart, but I knew someone was going to comment on it. Um, And I didn't mean that using the same voice actors always means that something falls in the same continuity. What I was getting at is that using the same voice actors in this instance, to me, implies that it's in the same continuity. I mean, when you look at something like the Batman and using the same voice actors that they did in the DC animated universe, there they're just doing it as fan service, basically. Like, oh, ho, ho, look who's playing Luthor. But it's very clear they're not in the same universe because there's there's a different continuity. Batgirl was working with Batman before Robin was. You see what I'm saying? Where it's the opposite way over in the DCAU. Additionally, I also think that the pop-up thing is not necessarily compiled... Uh, by the producers themselves, and additionally, I feel that by quote-unquote universe, the pop-up could have simply referred to modern DC cartoons in general. Even if it's not in continuity, Teen Titans still owes its existence to the Timbers. So yeah, I like that you recognize some of the flaws, and I still think it's cool to try and make the two continuities coexist, but it's still not in continuity. Well, I, st- I still hold true that if it's on a DVD, pop-up or audio commentary doesn't matter. It's It's on there, and it says it's in continuity, that means it's in continuity. That's that's my like 
That's the post that everything is hitched to. So keep sending those emails in, and we'll keep arguing the point. Our next one is from Mike Blanchard, who writes, Hey, guys, in the Justice League episode Ultimatum, close to the end, Amanda Waller says to Batman in his costume, We are watching you, rich boy. Batman's slanty eyes go wide because Cadmus knows he's Bruce Wayne. It seems to me that Bruce always gets a shock of his life when someone finds out that he's Batman. As far as voice actors, Kevin Conroy is the only Batman slash Bruce Wayne I acknowledge as... As the animated Batman, Superman is only either George New- Newbern or Tim Daly. I hated Adam Baldwin in Doomsday as Superman. Me too. I love listening to you guys every week. I kind of wish you would have made you. You might have a few guest stars appear on a future podcast, such as Bruce Tim or Paul Dini or someone from the DCAU crew. Allow me to say this: um, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim and everybody who worked on all these cartoons—they're very busy people, extremely busy people. Calls have been put out asking if they would like to come on the show for interview time. And uh, to date, they've had to decline. Um, And I understand that and I respect that. So trust me, we've tried. We tried. And Mm -hmm. I'm not disappointed. I I fully understand that these guys, they got to make money, you know. (laughs) In episode 23, you talk about Black Canary kidnapping Jimmy Olsen. She did not. She took his signaling device that Jimmy uses to call Superman. I've been rewatching Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I liked the ending of the Cadmus story arc, and after Divided We Fall, an epilogue, I was confused as hell, and I thought it should have been the ending of the third season of Batman Beyond. As far as the continuity in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, Bruce Tim says in the commentary that on, uh, on that DVD that the flashback scenes of the new Batman adventures telling the story of what happened to Robin happened right after the TV series mm. ended. I think that's it for now. Sorry for rambling, Mike. There you go. Okay. And we actually got another uh, email from Mike. Uh, This one says, Okay, guys, in response to your reaction to my listening to all 22 episodes after only finding the podcast on March 1st, I write poetry, and I needed something to motivate me to finish the book of poetry I'm currently working on. Plus, by random, I searched Justice League on iTunes and found the world's finest podcast. I liked listening to your opinions, and it brought back a lot of memories of the DCAU. I still need to get uh, all the DVD sets of BTAS, and I still need the DVD sets of Superman the Animated Series, but I have all the Justice League and Batman Beyond DVDs. I wish DC and WB would release a Justice League complete series DVD set with more interviews and insights from the creators of the DCAU. Or, even better, a DCAU complete DVD series set with all the DCAU in a complete set, which would include BTAS, Superman, Batman Beyond, Justice League, and JLU. I only put those specific shows because I tried watching Teen Titans but never got into it. And this complete series idea of mine would include all the DCAU movies as well. Thanks for listening, and thanks for reading my email on the podcast. I did write a review on iTunes, by the way. Mike. Thank you, Mike. And next email is from Nick, who writes, Mike, I want to clear this up since my email in this episode wasn't addressed. I was not implying Smallville continuity to Superman the Animated Series. I was just addressing on what wasn't explained in this continuity was sort of explained in another. Um... On your gripe about how Smallville should end, you say everybody's mind should be wiped. On some level, I can agree. In defense of Lois's character, I've addressed this on my podcast that in the previous seasons, Lois doesn't think much of Clark. She sees him a geek, which would still be her opinions, views of him when he works at the Daily Planet years later. In the disappointing Black Canary episode, she spilled her heart out to Clark that she doesn't want to be left behind, which I find ironic because she ultimately will, being completely immersed with her career. At the end of the scene, she says, I can hang out with you. Lois moment. That would be an ironic moment for her and Lex to lose their memory, and besides, Traveler and Veritas are supposed to be huge episodes, and Algo even said to the effect that it would change the show forever. 
but your discussion about it, it seems to me that you have a negative vibe towards the series as you a whole. You don't say. Maybe it's the fact... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perhaps. Maybe it's the fact that they they tweak the mythology a lot, especially when you scolded me on the mentioning of Erica Durant's. I suppose... You were one of those groups of people that don't like the fact that Lois is there. With me, it doesn't. It doesn't bother. Okay, me. let me let me jump in there. Um, it isn't yeah, so much that they tweaked the mythology, uh, because you know it's a different continuity. It's a completely different continuity. We've got the comics, you know. We've got the cartoons here. We've got the Superman over in uh, the the Legion of Superheroes cartoon. We got him over in the Batman. You know, there's we've got the different movies. I mean, we've, he's all over the place. They, they've always got to change it for that medium. I completely understand and respect that. It's that the show has dragged on for too long. Um, I think they've done a great disservice to many of these characters, especially Clark. I mean, why is he still hanging around the farm? You know, he's, they, they could have gotten him to Metropolis in a, you know, uh, an entry level reporting gig a long time ago, but he's still on the farm. Why? You know, I'm just I'm just sick of it. I hate what they've done with Lana. I think, you know, she was decent to begin with, and then she just became uh, useless to the series. Um, and this is coming from someone who hasn't seen the entire series. I mean, I've seen the first couple of seasons, and I, I feel this way. I mean, I've seen scattered episodes throughout, like uh, I think it was episode 100 where Pa Kent dies, and it was more the same, the same stuff I was seeing seasons before that. And it's just... It's just tired and it's old. It was a great idea and I wish they would do more superhero TV if they wanted to do it in this vein, like an OC TV show. That's fine. Superheroes on TV, as long as they're there, I'm going to be happy. But just don't drag the series out for way too long like this one has been. On the main man about Lobo, you guys seem to – or you guys have, have to see the fan film based on the Christmas issue from the comics. It's quite good. The guy that plays the main man is the guy that played Leatherface in 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There we go. I knew it was mentioned in another email. Um, Michael Keaton for Lobo? I don't think so. I still have to see Pacific Kites. I heard he was good as the psychopath. I still agree that Michael Keaton would be great as Lobo. Um, I agree with Mike. My favorite moment was Clark revealing his secret to Lois. Like you had no preconceived notions. When I watched it on DVD, I was like, what did he say? The Preserver is voiced by Sherman Howard, who voices Derek Powers in Batman Beyond. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I never liked the space suit, the aqua suit, or the other suit in JLU. When the Amazo android comes back, Superman has no need for oxygen. It's cool that Kal-El has the last of the dodos, get it? Uh, you get, forgot to mention that one of the robot babes says jinkies. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those things that I had in my notes, no. but I was like, eh, it doesn't need to be mentioned. What, what were you yeah, going to say? Especially Jim? since it... I was going to say, especially since it uh, makes reference to one of my most hated cartoons oh ever. Oh, my God, I hate that show. Thank you. I'm glad someone else is sane. <laughs> oh, why Why else would I be here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On My Girl, the spunk of Lana is what makes me love the character and the mythos again after being overexposed to the drama queen. There you go. Some people brought this up, and I tend to agree with, with that uh, Chloe's character is true to Lana's personality from the source material than the actual Lana, which I find kind of sad. About Mercy, James says her feelings of Lex don't come back until Justice League. It comes to the forefront and goes to the machine, and then later on in Justice League. I don't recall saying that it, it the, the relationship or her feelings don't come back until Justice League. Um, if I did, I apologize, because I forgot about going to the machine. But um, I was just merely saying that they really come for full circle in the Amazo episode, uh, Tabula Rasa. 
So, yeah, that's all I was saying. Um, on foreshadowing, Clark is the woman in the relationship with Lois. What does that even mean? What does that mean? Do you understand what you I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I guess because Lois is so, uh, just such a tomboy. I don't know. <laughs> Nick, please write in and tell me what you meant with that. Clark is the woman in the quote-unquote relationship with Lois. What? What? Please, sir, please <laughs> clarify. <laughs> On Tools of the Trade, on Mike's issue with Darkseid, I agree with Mixie on the forums that he was just toying with Mannheim, but he wanted to observe suits. Again, I, I agree, but Mannheim just seems weird. Just seems weird. That's all. I'm Maggie Sawyer. Mike, you pervert. She does wear a skirt in the episode that introduces John Henry Irons. Well, if you say so, but the way her legs are colored, they look, look flesh-toned and not, you know, even like tan, like she's wearing pants or something. So I think she's just wearing a long mm-hmm. coat and nothing underneath. With the visual of the eyes glowing in the shadows, Soups looks totally evil. Reminds me of Kingdom mm-hmm, Come. Mm-hmm. On the issue of Darkseid's voice, the producers at first probably wanted the voice to sound more inhuman, but realized that since Michael Ironside's performances rule, <laughs> they decided to leave it. <laughs> Amen, yeah. brother. He also played General Sam Lane in Season 4 of Smallville, which I find really funny and extremely ironic. Uh, and lastly, on Two's a Crowd... About James' uh, blunder of Parasite, all I can say is I'm with Mixie again. It's just comic book elements that aren't supposed to make logical sense. What's he referring to? There? Uh, I don't remember. I see. I'm try- I couldn't remember. Um, I'm trying to remember what uh, blunder I brought up with uh, in the last episode. Mm. I feel this is only it was only two weeks ago, and I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, if I you know if I remember, I'll I'll make a note of it on the uh, on the yeah, forums. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Nick. Our next one is from Chris, who writes, Hey, guys, just had a couple of responses to make uh, to things you said in the last episode. As far as how Clark can afford a car with gullwing doors, his pe- no, well, they weren't doors. It was the roof just opened yeah. up. Uh, his powers do save him some money. One of the less appreciated benefits of invulnerability is the money you save on Band-Aids and iodine. Seriously, he could get a bit more in his check turning down health, dental, disability insurance, etc. If he's still short, there's this little trick I've heard where you squeeze a, d- a lump of coal and it turns into a diamond. And technically speaking, I I could swear Superman doesn't have to eat. I don't know where I got that bit of information, but I could swear he does not need to consume food. So he could save money in that regard, too. Someone tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm almost positive I've heard that somewhere. Maybe it's just a comic thing. Maybe I'm completely making it up. Someone please let write in and let me know. Either way, Mike, you're insane. Or, oh, no, it was in Superman 212. You know, I, I don't know. Someone someone tell me. Your comparison of tools of the trade to off-balance was dead on. Is it just coincidence that Michael York voiced both Count of Vertigo and Canto? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I do like Michael York as a voice actor. I think he's pretty good, and I love, I love his portrayal of Canto. Um, as to why Darkseid decides to work with a putz like Mannheim, I would first suggest that it was intended to uh, more to learn about what Superman was capable of rather than as a serious attempt to kill him. Additionally, he may have picked Mannheim because he would be easier to mani- manipulate than a Luthor. Apocalypse Now Part 1 makes it very clear just how much of a partnership this is. In Tusa Crowd, you talk a parasite having only his right arm in the box. I think the reason was that his right arm could move at the elbow, so so needed the extra barrier. I thought that his left arm was strapped to the gurney, so it wasn't in a box because it couldn't move to touch anyone. Finally, a last thought about Superman's wetsuit. He can fly. Why does it need fins? <laughs> Good question. And he's got a point about the parasite's uh, left arm being strapped down. Now that I think about it, I do believe it was held in place. But you'd think 
that they'd have this guy completely suited up with gloves and everything, considering even, you know, if you just brush up against them, he's going to get a little of your energy and you're going to get weakened. And if you're a guard, that's not a very good thing to have happen. Um, so it, I see what they were going for, they being the, the producers, but I still think he should be like in a full body condom, basically. Mm-hmm. Our next email is from Carrie, who writes, Hey, guys, I just wanted to tell you that I'm really enjoying your podcast. Thank you. I'm way behind where you currently are because I just started listening a little bit ago, but I got completely hooked into them uh, solely based on you talking about BTAS. I never got into comics when I was young, but, and my first introduction to Batman was through the show in the 60s. There's even a family photo that shows my older brother and myself in matching <laughs> Batman and Robin pajamas because of it. My next exposure to him, however, wasn't until BTAS, and I was completely blown away. I fell for it hard, and I just couldn't get enough of it. So when I came across a podcast that talked about it episode by episode, I couldn't wait to start listening. You guys do a great job of deconstructing the episodes in different ways, not only intelligently, but enthusiastically, and in such a detailed way. So thanks so much for the great listens. Well, thank yeah. you very much. And you're welcome. I, yes. Uh, I take a much more forgiving view of, of all of it, so I don't really have any gripes about the episodes. I love them all for different reasons. Really? Even the terrible trio. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Really? Terrible trio, too? I, I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> and don't have the problems you s seem to have. I have many awe moments when I was listening, since I can't uh, can't help but disagree on a gut level. But I've started watching the episodes over again, looking for the things you've pointed out to see whether I mind the negatives or to see if I have a different take on it than you. So thanks for that as well. It's given me a new way to appreciate a show I already love. I look forward to everything else that you'll be discussing. Thanks again, Carrie. All right, thank you all for your emails. <laughs> And we're the only two people with these powers on the planet? Mm-hmm. And you? You're defenseless against us. Yes, I'm just a human being. In fact, I bleed more easily than many. Please, put me down now. Oh! Marvelous. But you have to understand, there's a condition on your staying here. You can't ever use your powers to hurt people. Of course. I'll always respect your benevolent ways. You promise? Mm, wholeheartedly. Well, uh, I guess we're ready to try a night on the town. Blasts from the past. In this episode, uh, Dr. Hamilton discovers the Phantom Zone projector hidden in a hidden compartment in Superman's rocket. Don't ask me why they hadn't seen this compartment by now. I have no idea. Um, but while playing with it, uh, basically, Hamilton accidentally releases a creature from the Phantom Zone. Uh, Superman pretty much just handily beats, beats it up, and they manage to get it back into the Phantom Zone. However, they then hear the pleas of a woman named Mala, who claims to be a Kryptonian who was serving a... A sentence, basically a prison sentence inside the Phantom Zone, which is basically all the Phantom Zone is. It was what Krypton used to send their deadly prisoners to. Um, and she, she's just pleading. She she says she served her sentence and she should be released. Where is uh, the council where they can, you know, basically vouch for? Um, and so after Superman goes to the Fortress of Solitude and checks um, the Krypton orb, which is basically, a you know, what this, this the orb that he saved in the uh, Brainiac, the second Brainiac episode, uh, Stolen Memories, I believe was the name of the episode. Uh, it's basically now his database for all things Kryptonian. 
and he keeps it at the Fortress of Solitude. He go he accesses it, and he learns who uh, who this Mala person is. She, it, apparently, she and another guy named Jaxor tried to overthrow the High Council on Krypton, but because of Jor-El's intervention, they were thwarted. Jaxor was sentenced to life imprisonment in the Phantom Zone, while Mala was given a much more lenient 20 years uh, prison sentence. Superman and Hamilton uh, decide that it's okay. They release Mala from the Phantom Zone, and Superman basically begins to show her life on Earth since she has the same powers that uh, that Kal-El does under the Earth's yellow sun. Uh, Superman you know, tries to show her how to be a superheroine, but uh, she's so power-hungry that she eventually defies Superman and releases Jack Zor from the Phantom Zone. And they then go on a terroristic spree of utter mayhem and destruction, which Superman has to stop. I think that about sums yep. it up. Thoughts? Crap. Hmm. Which is sad, because Ron Perlman is a god. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's a guy who can do no wrong. And this is our first exposure to him in the DCAU. Uh, is it? No. I thought he was... I don't... I don't remember him who played, voicing anybody in, in Batman. Who played Clayface? Wasn't he? Did he do Clayface? I don't know. You keep, you keep talking about the episode, and I'll look it up. I thought he did something okay. before this. But yeah, why don't you give your thoughts? I, I've summed up the episode how I wanted to sum it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say that my main problem with this episode is that why is Superman so readily trusting a person who basically tried to Fidel Castro Krypton. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I understand she's another Kryptonian, and he feels obligated to help her, but, yeah, she's a dangerous criminal. Yeah, there's... And by the way, he did play Clayface. I got it on IMDb right here. Oh, okay. he did? Oh, I'm, God, how did I not remember that? But yeah, there's... there's Ugh, I feel bad. There's one point where, as you said, he's he's showing her around, showing her how to use her powers. Basically, he's trying to help reform her. He understands she was a criminal... And he's releasing her, and he's made her promise that she'll be a good girl. And he's trying to show her how to use these powers so she doesn't abuse them. Well, anyways, she does start to abuse them, and Superman confides in Hamilton that he didn't realize that Mala was this quote-unquote power-hungry. But she took part in a coup! Are you a dumbass? I mean, throughout this entire two-part episode, Superman is both a dumbass and a dick. There's a couple of times where he, like, yells at Mala... Like, remember when she stops those criminals? She's got, like, one of them. Like, she's holding, like, in the alleyway. She's holding by the shirt. Yeah, she's holding him yeah. by the shirt. And Superman's like, put him down. Mala didn't do anything that he hadn't done. She wasn't exactly than he's been to some of these guys. I mean, she's not about to, like, rip his head off. She's just, like, yelling at him, saying, you shouldn't be thieving. That's all she's doing in that instance. But he's yelling at her, and then he's talking about sending her back because he didn't realize she was power hungry. <laughs> And, you know, it's really sad because these two characters basically conquered the world. Yeah. They could – I don't understand – they couldn't make a great episode centered around these two. And furthermore, why did they never come back for just Injustice League or JLU? Yeah. I mean, these these are two characters who can obviously threaten the entire world. Why not bring them back? Yeah. You know, they, and I'm sure they could have done much better than this horrifying episode. Yeah, I mean – and what what really kills me is that the dialogue and the acting is just bad and cheesy in parts. It, oh, it's just, I don't know if there was really anything I liked about this. I mean, I'm looking at my notes here, and at the end of the first part, all I wrote was terrible. 
At the end of the second part, I wrote, God, this sucks, underlining sucks. Well, see, I don't know. I have a lot of things I actually do like about this episode. I've, I've just got a bunch of they're written as little notes. Um, I liked how they were walking down the streets of Metropolis, they, they being Jaxor and Mala, and a car is driving up to it, just punches it, and it stops. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was um, a little funny. I, I liked how Luthor basically claimed that uh, Superman and Mala are going to fuck, fuck like rabbits and populate the Earth with little Kryptonians, and then Mala's like, you know, I, that's an intriguing idea. See, you know what, though? I didn't even get why Luthor would have that press conference. To date, has he gone out in public and chastised Superman? I'm really trying to remember here. I know in private he hates Superman, but has he gone out in public and bashed Superman like this before? I don't think so. And then so. all of a sudden it's like, look at this. See, see, Superman's bad, and he and her, they're going to make this Krypton part two. Like, what? why would he have a press conference to state that? They would have caught him getting in his limo. Do you have any comments, Mr. Luthor? Oh, absolutely. And then he might have said something. But I, but I stage a whole goddamn press conference about it. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. And you know what? One thing. Here's, here's the oh. thing. <laughs> it's like, if they're going to have... A general who staged a coup on Krypton and is opposing the son of Jor-El on Earth? Why isn't it Zod? Why did they make this Jack Zor? Why couldn't they have made this Zod? So I'm sorry, what were some of the other little things that kind of... They, they named the Fortress of Solitude. And it was, you know, it was kind of just a passing comment by Hamilton. He says, well, if anybody deserves a Fortress of Solitude, it's you. Yeah, Superman. And, and he's like, he and, he and Superman kind of molded over, and he's like, "Fortress of Solitude." Yeah. Hmm. But you know, I mean, now, now they finally have the name for it because they hadn't before. You know, they hadn't named it. Yeah, they, I mean, you, hmm. you got a point there. And I, just little things. You know, it's funny how Superman makes fun out of it. Like, hmm, I don't know if I like that. And then he says it again at the end, like, "Oh, maybe," you know. Um, but really, what it boils down to, besides. Superman being an idiot throughout half of it, besides just uh, everything I've griped about so far, it, it's Mala. She's a terrible character. Like, every time they show her, there's a close-up of her face, and she's just scrunching it all up, and she's like, ooh, I'm gonna get you, Superman! It's like, oh, I don't know. It's you know, Okay, I know this is a cartoon, but for the most part, a lot of these episodes are treated as if it's not a cartoon, as if they were doing this live action. But this one had mm -hmm. a lot of cartoony elements in it. And those close-ups of Mala getting all angry, oh, that, that was very cartoony. And I, I didn't enjoy that in the slightest. You know what I'm talking about? It's like every, every 30 seconds, there was, yep. there was a close-up of her just, oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill Lois. I hate you. Let's fuck. You don't want to fuck? Okay, I'm going to get Jack, or I'll fuck him. <laughs> no it's like every and i've said this i said this in one of my uh movie reviews about a character that i'm not remembering at the at the present time but uh it looks like she was just violently constipated yeah, yeah. oh and i know who it was it was one of those characters from blood rain <laughs> anyway and we all know what i, I graded that movie mm -hmm. uh yeah so that's that's what it reminded me of she was just she looked like she was just violently constipated through the whole mercilessly long 45 minutes. <laughs> and, and then when they, when they finally lure, or like when Superman finally lures them across Metropolis, 
Metropolis. You know, you know, as he lures them across Metropolis, they start just breaking shit everywhere, and he he doesn't seem to think he he weaves his, his way around everything through things, so he doesn't hear anything. Like he thinks that they're going to do the exact same mm-hmm. thing. So, uh, when they finally lure them back to the Daily Planet, where Hamilton and Lois are standing there with the new Phantom Zone projector, the old one being sma- previously being smashed by Jaxor. It's just that. That's it. They zap them, then they're gone. It's like, wow, that was abrupt. I figured it would be a, at least a little bit more, I don't know, riveting, maybe? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. What were you you know, gonna I say? was going to ask, how does Mala understand English? Good question. How does Jack Sewer do the same? I mean, you can say that... You know, Superman knows English, obviously, because he was raised as a human. But she comes right out of the projector and instantly starts speaking English. Like, really? Really? Is that one of her superpowers? She hits the yellow sun and she knows how to speak English? I don't know about that. Um, And something I would have liked, again, I'm not holding, you know, what I'm about to say against the episode. There's enough already of that going on. Um, But I would have liked it if she developed slightly different powers or found different ways to use them than Superman. Um, like, like the, like her heat vision could have been just a little different. Um, maybe she, I don't know, had a, has Superman demonstrated ice breath yet in this cartoon? Uh, maybe yet, she no. had ice breath. You see what I'm saying? Just a, a little something, just a slight different power. So not all Kryptonians have the same power set. Um, and again, I got I got another question. This this is sort of on the same lines of the how does she know English thing. Superman says that all of the aliens in his zoo in the fortress are from the preserver ship, right? Yes. And each one of those were the last of their species, right? Supposedly, yes. But there's twice, once in the first part, once in the second part, where Superman's looking at one section of the zoo and and there's two or three of the same creature in the habitat. But if they were the preservers, there wouldn't have been two or three. There would have been one. Well, clearly, clearly what's happening here is while Superman's away, those creatures are uh, mating. I don't know. So, maybe. So, oh, oh, okay. Oh, here <laughs> we go. So maybe. there. You know what? I can actually buy that. How about this? I'll I'll take your theory and I'll, and I'll add this to it. Maybe... The one the preserver had was pregnant, and even though it looked like a mammal, maybe it laid eggs. When Superman got it home to Earth, it laid an egg that was a male, and it mated, the mother mated with its male son, creating the third one. How's that one sound? Oh, God. What the hell is wrong with this? We're talking about incestuous <laughs> animals, and we're trying to justify there being three of these things. And there's something just, we're crazy. Not even just incestuous animals. We're talking about incestuous yeah. alien animals. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, oh, we're going to get emails about this. Yeah, I, I know. You that. <laughs> I know. Um, there was a funny line in here. This is probably the only positive thing about this episode that I'm going to say. Yeah, right, and I'm Wonder Woman. I was going to point that out. She doesn't exist yeah, yet. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I thought. I was like, I had to, I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up because I couldn't remember how she was introduced in Justice League, but I had an inkling of a memory suggesting that when we meet her in Justice League, that's the first time she's coming to quote unquote man's world, right? Yes. Okay. Huh. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and she had ne- not only that, I mean, she had never even donned the armor. That was the first time she dons her armor yeah. is in a Secret Origins. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows she exists. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's there's ways around that. You could always say maybe uh, Diana's mother came to Man's World as Wonder Woman years ago during, I don't know, World War II. So she was kind of hooked up with like a JSA-like team. You see what I'm saying there? There's there's ways oh, around yeah, yeah, because in the comics, that's how it's happened. You know, her mother was Wonder Woman. Diana was Wonder Woman. There's been other people that have been Wonder Woman. So you can almost justify it. Almost. Um, but yeah, getting back to what you said about the ending kind of feeling rushed, it just uh, is abrupt. I felt the entire second episode felt that way. Um, Superman gets sucked into the Phantom Zone, and two minutes later, he's out of it. That would have been an awesome cliffhanger to end, like, the first episode. Instead of doing it halfway through as a plot device, is what it was, remember? Because... They, yeah. they treated Superman's suit to try to get the signal. I didn't even understand this. Okay, they understood that Superman was probably going to end up in the Phantom Zone, so they treated his suit with a radioactive material that Hamilton could pick up on his faulty Phantom Projector, because remember, they were missing that crystal, so they could potentially mm-hmm. get him out. So even if they, even if he got sucked in and they get him out, they have the frequency of the Phantom Zone, but they still can't send anybody in because they don't have the crystal. So what was the point of getting him captured in the Phantom Zone in the first place? You... you like what? What were they thinking? And why was he only in there for like two minutes of our time? It was such a waste. It would have been so cool if that ended an episode. And they're like, oh god, I gotta wait a day or a week to find out how Superman gets out. No, in this case, just count down from 120. Once you get to zero, he's back. Oh, so rushed, absolutely rushed. Uh, yeah, you know, I did like the. Uh... Well, actually, I, I shouldn't say I liked because there was part of it part of it that I hated. But there was a a very brief dialogue when they're on the uh, bridge and that tanker was there. Where Superman or uh, Jack Zor says death is better than the Phantom Zone, and then Superman says, "I'll take your word for it." And then he blows up the tanker behind him. I like the line in and of itself. I think it's a pretty cool line. But then now we have Superman actively trying to kill somebody. Yeah. Well. Sure, I see what you're saying. His actions coupled with the line do imply that he was trying that, but he knew what they could take. Even though Jack Seward wasn't at yeah. full strength, he knew that an explosion like that would, would not even put a scratch on his hide. So at worst, it might knock the wind out of Jack Seward. So I see what you're saying, though. I see where you're coming from. Um, do you want to say anything else about this episode before we move on? I don't believe so. Is this the least amount of time we've ever spent on a two-part episode? Absolutely. That's, not even, it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, that should give you a hint as to what our scores on this one are going to be. You know what? I do want to say one more thing. Could that have been the shittiest coup? And I'm talking the one on Krypton. And, and all oh of, my God. Yes. I forgot like, about that. They have what looks like thousands upon thousands of soldiers armed to the teeth and Jor-El stops it. A scientist stops it by playing with the radio frequency in all the soldiers' helmets. All of a sudden, the coup's over. <laughs> and then is this ragtag group of, I don't know, people just run up and stop Jack or yeah. Mala. <laughs> like, you people deserve to go to jail just for coming up with that crappy plan. <laughs> like, come on. I mean. <laughs> oh, man. God. And 
I know, and it makes me so sad because Ron Perlman is such a badass in everything he does. Oh, why did he have to be in such a bad episode? Yeah, because this one definitely had legs. It, you know, it could have, or I shouldn't say it had legs. It had potential, is what I mean to say. I mean, you've got two Kryptonians coming out of the Phantom Zone, gaining powers. At first, Superman trusts them, and then they literally take over the world. They accomplish this. But, I mean, on paper, that sounds really good. But then, in execution, just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> I can't even finish my thought there. I, I really like to know why this one failed. Because like I said, on paper, great, execution, bad. What happened in the middle between those two steps that made this one just really suck? The code was simpler than it seemed. They wanted others to translate it. They? The aliens who created that thing. It's a synthetic being. It was built for strength and given only minimal intelligence. They wanted to use it for heavy labor. Obviously something went wrong. Very. Its fuel was supposed to be the heat from their suns. But that was hardly enough for the creature. Soon it began to absorb heat from everything. And the more it absorbed, the stronger it got. No wonder it didn't burn up when it fell through the atmosphere. The heat just made it stronger. Exactly. So how do we stop it? You know those cold packs and first aid kits? They work on the principle of mixing two chemicals that create instant cold. Watch. Will they work with seawater? We're too late. The creature's already come ashore. They're Promethean. In this one, um, there's an asteroid, a large asteroid, that's headed towards Earth. Uh, specifically, it's heading towards Metropolis. Um, so, uh, the thought. yeah, so a, uh, a shuttle goes up, uh, and Superman goes with it. And the idea is that they're going to plant, uh, charges all over this asteroid and they're going to, uh, destroy, they're going to explode it in space, hoping that the smaller pieces burn up in Earth's atmosphere. Well, after Superman sets the charges, he comes across this, uh, giant, rock creature thing. Uh, later on, it turns out it's a robot, but at the time, they don't know it, so they're having a, a moral quandary. Do they destroy this asteroid and potentially this creature? I mean, because if they destroy it, everybody in Metropolis is safe, but they kill this maybe one-of-a-kind creature, but if they, you know, don't destroy it, like I said, everybody in Metropolis dies. So they're having a problem with this, and there's this hard-nosed uh, general on the ship. What's his name? Hard Castle. Hardcastle, yeah. yes. And, uh, you know, he hates Superman, he hates aliens, and he's like, well, I can't let 10 million people die, people die, bang! And he hits the trigger and uh, explodes the asteroid. And in the process, the creature gets free, uh, it flies to Earth, lands just outside of Metropolis, and, uh, of course, Superman then has to stop it from destroying Metropolis. And what we find out is that this creature was bit, built by an alien civilization to do a lot of heavy lifting and things like that. Think of it as like a giant walking robotic crane type construction device. Um, and they thought that the energy from this planet's twin suns would sustain it, but it didn't. It wanted more heat, more energy, and we're not quite sure how it wound up in space, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but that's what this thing is trying to do. It doesn't want to destroy Metropolis per se. It just sees all these bright, shiny lights, knows that that's a heat source, and wants energy. It basically wants food. Um, 
So, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the synopsis of this one. James, thoughts? Um, not a fan. Yeah. It's just, it's, put, put it quite bluntly, it's just boring. Yeah, it's, for me, I'm not saying the episode's bad, but I can't say it's good either. I think for the first time, no, maybe I've said this about one other Superman episode, I can't remember. This one's really just there. You know how there's sort of a continuity between all the Superman episodes so far? This is mm-hmm. one of the ones where you really could watch it out of order and it wouldn't matter. Where there's other episodes where they make little references to other episodes, so you you kind of do have to watch them in order. With this one, you could you could watch this, you know, 10 episodes from now or 10 episodes before this moment and it, it wouldn't change a damn thing. There's just no continuity here. Um that doesn't help or hurt it. I'm just pointing out the fact that it simply just exists in this bubble. It's just this adventure of Superman fighting this very Jack Kirbyan like uh, monster. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen this episode, just picture Clayface times a million. Yeah, it's you're right. It's just a huge Clayface like monster, and uh, like I said, it's very Jack Kirby in design. Um, I remember as a kid, sort of liking this one because it's Superman versus a giant monster. But rewatching mm-hmm. it now, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's like I said, not good or bad. It's just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have. It's like I have so many questions about this episode. Not the least of which you, you've already mentioned. How the f- how the fuck does this thing get up into space? How did they manage to trap that thing and s- strap it to this gigantic rock and send it off into space? Right. I mean, because they show it reaching up towards the twin suns, walking away. Next thing we know, we're it's destroying their city. Yeah, we're, yeah. It's destroying their it's destroying their city, and next thing we know, we're back on Metropolis. Or not, yeah, we're back in Metropolis. And it's like, wait, how how did they strap it down? How did they shoot it into space? Okay, for that matter, we don't know how long it's been traveling in space. It could be centuries. It could be a couple of weeks. We don't know. But you're telling me in all that time it was traveling in space, it never came across a sun that gave yeah. it enough power to break free? Now, granted, it was the explosion that really broke it free, but it was the sun that woke it up that allowed it to start to break free before the explosion really loosened things up there. So I was like, okay, I call that into question. It's not like it was in the center of the asteroid. It was just strapped to one side of it, and eventually it was going to pass a star that was going to give it the energy that it needed. It was, yeah, it's just it's flawed on, on a couple of levels. Um, and as I was watching it, I was thinking, how cool would it have been if this was Doomsday? I'm not even saying it had to be this giant creature, though I would have loved, you know, a uh, 50-story tall Doomsday. That would have been different. Um, but I'm just saying <laughs> if it was Doomsday that was strapped to this, that it became a character that was really important to the Superman cartoon and the DCAU. I don't know. Just It just would have made me kind of geek out a little more. That's all I'm getting at. No, they, and, you know, and that if they did that, they... They could have tied it into when he appears in the Justice Lords episode in Justice League. But one thing I did like about this episode was uh, Lois Lane's one one line in this episode when the, the creature crashes to Earth and everybody hears the giant uh, just Earth rumbling. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen's like, what was that? And Lois says, maybe Perry had chili for lunch again. Yeah, I got a little fart jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny, yeah. though. I thought. <laughs> Um, but hey, we get scuba suit Superman again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, come on. 
It's it's so ridiculous. Um, shit, I'm looking at my notes here. I'm trying to think if there was anything. There were some. I actually uh, not no, to go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, there were some pretty damn awesome animation sequences when uh, the Promethean is absorbing the the heat. The way it spirals like, around the mis- him. missiles. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was some damn good animation. Yeah. Yeah, animation. Uh, so I have to point that. Yeah, out. animation-wise, this is a solid episode. Um, one of the things I do appreciate about this episode is that there's not a whole heck of a lot of dialogue. You know, this isn't a villain Superman can banter with. It's it's just an unspeaking creature that just wants to absorb energy. That's it. So Superman can't talk to it. He can't joke with it. He can't argue with it. He can't do any of that. So the fight scenes oftentimes were pretty quiet. Um, so relying on the action to carry it, especially when it was a quote unquote villain that, uh, you know, isn't going to be familiar to anybody, um, was a bit risky on their part. And normally their risks paid off. And though I respect what they were going for here and I like the fact that it was quieter at points, I don't think it paid off in this regard. And that's another reason why I think they should have made this creature someone that was going to stick around again, a doomsday or something like that. Um, but speaking of the quietness, one of the things I really liked was the, uh, opening space scenes when Superman's setting the charges, there is sound, but it's very muted. They had to have something. They had to have some, a little bit of sound. I mean, granted, there really wouldn't be any sound at all, but the sound that was there, you kind of got a strain, strain to hear. And I, I like that. What I didn't like though, is Hardcastle. And I don't mean like I hated him in a I'm supposed to hate him kind of way. I hated him because he just annoyed the piss out of me. And uh, I'm going to say that about a certain character we'll cover later in this show, but we'll oh, get to I that later. I think I know who you're uh, getting uh, getting to. Yeah, yeah, I th- think you do too. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. The guy, it's like he hates Superman. Okay, fine. Why? He's an alien. Just because he doesn't like aliens. Okay. Yeah. I mean. He's, he's no. <laughs> just a totally cliched, like, military general. That's all this guy is. You know who he reminded me of is uh, uh, Veronica's father in uh, Harley's Holiday. Just the cliched general who yeah. just goes around with a, riding around a tank through the streets of uh, whichever major city he's you're in. Right. They're, they're, you're right. Yeah, you can draw a connection between the two. It's just... Rah, 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 let's blow shit up. And it's like, come on. I mean, these guys are really good writers. They could have added a little more depth to that character. I mean, at least with Veronica's father, he had the excuse, you know, he could say he went temporarily insane because he lost his daughter to, you know, freaking Harley Quinn. You know, I'm not saying it's a great excuse, but it's there. Here, it's just, I don't like him because he's an alien. Like, how many times has Superman saved the planet already? Just already, and you don't like him because he's an alien. I mean, granted, the guy's probably jealous. I get that. But they could have given the character just a little more depth than rah, 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 let's make things go boom. You know who they should have had in place of Hardcastle here is General Eiling, who shows up later in the Cadmus saga. That's who they should have put there because that could have been his introduction. Because we know in Justice League he hates Superman. So, I mean... And it makes sense for the Cadmus people to hate Superman. Jesus Christ. Right, or they, <laughs> Look who they right, are. Or down the line, they just could have made Hardcastle Eiling. 
You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, instead of creating, you know, instead of bringing Eiling in, they just could have said, oh, we had this Hardcastle character. Let's use him over here. And then when people look back at Superman, they're like, oh, okay. They, 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 you know, the hatred's there initially, and we can start to build upon it as we build up the character. So, yeah. Ugh. And, and now I have to ask something, yeah. though. I have to ask something. As I said in the introduction of this episode, they... <laughs> They start to think that this creature is alive. Remember, um, what's his name? Hamilton. He hears the robot's or the creature's heartbeat. Right. But then later on, we find out it's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, granted, they don't say for sure that it's a heartbeat. They just say they think it's a heartbeat. It could yeah, be. Yeah, Hardcastle was like heartbeat. Yeah, and, and Hamilton's like, I think so, but it's like, it's a robot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there, of course, is our robot alert. We have to point out there's another robot that uh -huh. Superman's been fighting. Um, so I really wish they would have just had a throwaway line explaining what the heartbeat was. Maybe it was, uh, a piston, you know, or like once they found out he was a robot, they're like, oh, maybe that heartbeat was just a piston or it was his engine starting up. I don't know. But to go from, he has a heartbeat to it's a robot. This, yeah, there's, there's a, that's a huge error right there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course this episode is just teeming with plot holes everywhere, but the biggest one of all is at, is at the very end. You know, what happens is they they figure out that you know since he since this thing is absorbing every ounce of heat it can find, the nat the logical way to to counteract it would be to try to freeze it. So they you know they put these two chemicals together in a beaker and and Star Labs and uh, you know it freezes the water up instantaneously. So they figure, well, why don't we just get tons and tons of this stuff and just mix it all together inside um, a lake where we can, or like just a big body of water, if we can lure it into a big body of water. So they decide to go into the, I mean, Superman, what Superman does is he, he heats up this steel beam, uh, which somehow, and somehow Hamilton gets all the power in Metropolis yeah. turned off. Yeah. yeah, please tell me how just this, this scientist guy at Star Labs somehow gets all the power in this gigantic city turned off at the exact yeah, same like, time. Please explain um, Mr. Me. Mayor, um, can you There's please, like, turn off the power grid? Uh, why should we do that, Professor Hamilton? Uh, because Superman says so. All righty then. Click. Like, what? No. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? Uh, just as an aside, it reminded me of the scene in Die Hard yes! where uh, yes! the feds are arguing with the, the guy in the manhole. It's like, you want me to turn off a 12... City, a 12 area grid or whatever the hell he says. <laughs> it's like, turn it off or it's your job or whatever the hell yeah, he says. I, I thought it's of like, the same fucking thing. I, 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 that's crazy that we both thought of that. Oh. Well, Die Hard is, is my favorite action movie ever, it's, so. It's quite possible. <laughs> I'm sure I'll parallels there wherever yeah, I can. It's quite possible you the best action movie ever, but that, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to my original point. Uh, so yeah, uh, Superman, you know, the power's turned off all over the city. The creature's confused. He sees no more heat. He can't sense any more heat, so he's all wandering around. Superman t takes his beam and uses his heat vision to heat it up, and, and he lures the creature into a canyon where there's a lake, and he, a bunch of stuff happens. The, uh, the creature sees the moon and confuses it for a heat source and tries to run away, and Superman eventually gets him back into the lake. They freeze the lake over. Superman narrowly escapes from the creature's hand, who you know, he captured Superman previously. And they, they freeze the lake. The creature freezes up. He's buried. 
up to the, the tip of his hand in this uh, lake, and that's it. That's where the episode ends. We're never told what the hell they do with this thing once it's there. I mean, I don't. Let me just say this: the ending isn't bad in the way it was it was represented. I.e., I like the way they it was completely silent. The mu- there was some really creepy music playing in the background. That was cool, but. What do they do? Does it stay there forever? Do they thaw it out and try and just disassemble it so it can't wake up? What the hell do they do with this damn thing? (laughs) That ice is going to melt eventually. They just throw a giant tarp over it. Oh, it'll be fine. Let's just let it sit. (laughs) Two weeks later, it's it's roaming the countryside. Oh, it's Gotham's problem now. Let that Batman deal with it. (laughs) Let it roam over to Central City. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Poor Wally. Yeah, even when I was a kid, even when I was a kid and I, you know, was watching this one, I, I thought of that. I'm like, okay, I get the ending, but that lake's going to thaw eventually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. It's just, it's just over. Like, oh, shit, we're out of time. Okay, just fade to black. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know. Uh, this episode is just one plot hole after another. <laughs> one of the things I did like, though, was you mentioned when Superman was flying in front of the creature with the uh, with the girder, with the tip of it on fire, sort of mm-hmm. like a match. Um, after Metropolis has gone dark, Superman flies in front of the creature again, getting its attention once more. And I love the look on the creature's face because it, one of its eye, one of its, you know, eyebrows in quotes goes up like, huh? and it like turns to look at Superman. And it's this great face it's just it's just i don't you 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 because earlier they say that the creature is simple and in that it has minimal right and in that look you can kind of see it it's sort of like oh shiny you know it's like you 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 get his thought process there and i thought it was a a cute kind of funny moment that i that i wanted to bring up um but something i was wondering and you know this isn't a gripe against the episode but it was something I thought that they could have very easily thrown in. As you said, the creature at one point has Superman in his grasp. I mean, he's holding on to him for a couple of minutes during the finale of this episode. Why couldn't he draw heat from Superman with Superman being basically a solar battery? Superman's full of all this solar power. It would have been neat. Again, I'm not holding it against the episode, but I'm saying it would have been neat if you would have saw Superman getting drained even just a little by being in this creature's grasp. I don't know. Like I said, just just a little something. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense, but very little in this episode makes sense, so can't have that. Now, did you happen to notice the guy that Superman killed? I'll take your Um, silence as a no. Well, I'm trying to think back through the episode real quickly. Mm, No, I guess not. Yeah, there is a scene where the creature swats away a helicopter. And uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 tumbling towards uh, Hardcastle. Superman catches the helicopter, and uh, you, he puts the helicopter down off screen. But the noise it makes when he puts it down makes it sound like he threw it to the ground rather than just gently set it down. Despite the fact that there's a pilot in that helicopter, I mean, they showed the pilot in the helicopter right before the helicopter got swatted away. So they they made it a point to say, see, there is someone flying this. It's not a robotic drone. I would argue that that pilot was already dead after being backhanded by the Prometheus. <laughs> Chances but, are that's okay. true. But I'm saying if there was any chance he was still alive, Superman pretty much just throws the thing off screen. <laughs> it, 
it's it's one of those things where I'm like, he's standing there with the helicopter, and I'm like, he's gonna throw that down. He's gonna throw that down. Yeah, he threw it down. <laughs> Next up is Livewire. Here uh, we meet a uh, radio shock jock by the name of, uh, is it Leslie something? Leslie Willis. Leslie Willis, right. And she's going on an anti-Superman rant, just rant, 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 rant. And uh, uh, Lois and Clark, they're going to interview her after her radio show, um, but the plans change as they're told by the producer, and they end up interviewing her on the air. And uh, Lois is trying to question Leslie. She's like, you know, what is? why don't you like Superman? And she's like, oh, well, what are her, her excuses? Like, he's never there when you need him. He only cares about himself. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, so there were three reasons. I just Those were two of them. I just don't remember what the first Right. Was. Yeah, I mean, they, they just don't make sense at all, at all, is what it boils down. Oh, everything is so easy right. for him. Right, yeah, yeah. That was- so, again, we have a character who's very clearly jealous of Superman's powers. Um so, you know, this, this on-air interview ends, and uh, we find out that later on that day, uh, Leslie is holding, like, some sort of outdoor concert-type festival thing. So all the press shows up to that thing, but it's storming. It's storming really bad. And uh, the police want to call it off because, I mean, lightning's just striking all over the place. This is a very dangerous situation for everybody involved, um, especially those people on stage. And uh, Superman, uh, he's, you know, Clark is in the crowd as Superman, and uh, he sees the situation getting tense, so he, you know, sneaks off to become Superman. He uh, joins Leslie on the stage, and they kind of square off a little. And uh, before, you know, this thing can really be called to a close, lightning strikes like a beam that Superman's next to. So it strikes him, and she is channeled through him and hits Leslie. And as soon as it strikes her um, through some sort of comic book like magic instead of her dying or just being you know badly hurt she gets turned into a being that is all electricity uh, she's no longer flesh and bone she's just made of uh, electricity and uh, her skin goes bleach white and she's got this like very light kind of baby bluish hair and uh, once she gets out of the hospital she just wreaks havoc on metropolis she starts sapping its power and superman's got to uh you know, find creative ways to bring her in because he can't just punch her because she's electric. She could just turn intangible. So uh, he's got to use uh, his wits more than his strength 
to stop her. So, all that said, is this who you were referring to, James? Boy, you're perceptive. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we have a character who hates Superman, but never are we given any concrete reason why she hates him. Because even in the episode itself, as she's saying the reason she hates him, they're they're contradicting her as he saves a crane from crushing everybody on the streets of Metropolis below. It's like, you know, and I don't dislike Livewire. I dislike Leslie Willis, if that makes any sense. Because I think Livewire is a really good villain for Superman. Because, again, it's a being of pure energy now. You, You can't punch it. The, really, the only way you can stop it is by dousing her with water, and so, and they do, and they bring her back in Justice League, uh, and she, she she's pretty a uh, pretty good character there. You know, it's like this character Livewire could be a really good mm-hmm. one, but I just can't get over how dumb her introduction as Leslie Willis was. Yeah, it's just I understand what they were going for, but it's just so over the top. It's just. It's it's annoying. I mean, within 30 seconds, yeah. you want to turn it off and be like, I can't stand this character, and I don't care how good this episode may or may not be, I can't watch this. Exactly. I couldn't put it any better myself. Um, but, you know, to be positive, I have to say that this episode has some fan-fucking-tastic animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Willis gets struck by the lightning and her hair turns blue and her skin turns white, woo! Woo! Man, it was... Pretty to look at, but wow. You know, and uh, you know, I you know, I I liked it a lot. The animation, the animation isn't bad, but during that stage when they're, or excuse me, during that scene when they're on stage is what I mean to say. um, When they're face to face, when Superman first lands, if you look at Superman, he's very clearly off model. His chin is way more pronounced. I'm not joking when I say he looks like Jay Leno. His chest is puffier, and it just it doesn't look like the Superman that we've come to know in this universe. I mean, that gets corrected when they cut away to the next uh, shot, but it's, it, that was really distracting. And there were a couple other points where I noticed things that were a little off, but the, you know, the, the live wire effect, her zipping around her powers. I thought that was cool. That worked for me. But yeah, there are a couple of points where I didn't think the anima- animation really stood up to, uh, you know, that 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 bar, that level that we know that it should be at. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, how dumb was that reporter? Uh, is he implying that Superman is Thor now? Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, I, you know, now I take that back. Batman is Thor, <laughs> so I mean, maybe Superman yeah, is too. Storm. Superman is Storm. Um, <laughs> True. Yeah. Because he doesn't have super right, strength. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, first off, he pushed her out of the way. But they're claiming yeah. he didn't, and then they're somehow claiming by pushing her out of the way that pushed her into the electricity. Like Superman doesn't have that power; he can't call down, you know, lightning. Like I, I, it was, it was such a terrible line. I'm like, I understand what they were going for, but I really wish it would have been scripted uh, a lot better than that. Ugh. Um. Where the hell did that crowd get eggs? Thank you. I was, I'm not joking when I say that was the point I was going to bring up next. I'm, I'm dead serious. I mean, I could, it would have been, I could understand if they threw mud at the cops when they were trying to bust up the, the rally. 
because it was raining. They just could have bent over, picked up some mud and grass and threw it at them. But they they threw like 10 dozen eggs at those police officers. It's like, why did they bring eggs? Like, who, who I mean, I know I'm going to go buy a gross of eggs at the store so we can throw them at the police (laughs) officers who may or may not show up. Were they going to throw them at Livewire? Is that what they were going to do? And all of a sudden they're throwing them at the cops? Oh my God. Uh, uh, you know, and I have very little to say about this episode, but so go ahead. The thing, here's the thing. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to like this episode a lot, and I watching it now, I don't know why. I liked Livewire, I liked Leslie, and you know, you know, some years later, once I started, you know, once I got together with Jenny, and you know, she first saw this episode, she was like, "That girl is annoying." And I'm like, no, she's really cool. I like her. Quiet, you, you know. And now I'm watching it again here, and I'm like, Jen was right. In fact, um, while I was finishing up this episode, there are about two minutes left on this episode, Jen came home from work. She walked in the door. I go, hey, you're lucky. She goes, why? I go, I'm watching an episode with a character you don't like. Instantly, she thinks I'm talking about Metallo. And I said, live wire. And she's like, oh, I hate her. <laughs> I <look at> her. <laughs> Because now she's expecting me to stand up for Livewire like I used to. And I look at her, and she's, and I'm like, I know, you're right. I can't stand her now either. And she's like, see, I told you. She's just, oh, you, there's nothing likable about that character. And I don't understand how that woman would have any ratings at all for her radio show. I mean, maybe people would tune in to see hear what stupid shit she said next. But really, she's so annoying, you almost can't even hear the stupid shit she's saying. You just start hearing that you know, Charlie Brown teacher speak with her, wah, 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 just in a squeakier voice. You know what I think she was supposed to be? She was supposed to be a parody of like um, underground punk rock. Okay. Uh, because a lot of like indie punk rock, underground uh, underground punk is just like you listen to some of the things these people say, and it's like how fuck how fucking dumb are you? And I know that. I'm going to get a lot of people pissed off for saying that, but sorry, it's, it is it is what it is. <laughs> and I like punk music. Yeah. That's It's like, uh, ugh. Anyway, that's what, but that's what, who she reminded me of is just somebody, because, I mean, look at the way she dressed. She dressed like, I don't know, like a, like a goth or punk. She Look at those boots she had on. That was clearly punk goth right, Yeah, those those big black boots, the, the kind of halter top, the leather jacket, Tattered. The, the short kind of black hair, the kind of geeky girl glasses. She, they were with her. They were going for the kind of goth punk girly look with her. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I will say though, that she had some pretty gruesome things happen to her in this episode. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. She, she gets electrocuted and then she gets water doused on her when she's just nothing but energy. And it's like, golly. Now, here's the thing, though. When soup, when that dam gets ripped open and she gets doused with all that water, you know, we see her getting shocked, right? But we can see mm-hmm. her skeleton when that's happening. But earlier yep. in the episode, they said she's a being of pure electricity now. I think she said that to Superman. So how does she still have a skeleton? Please tell me, someone, please. Like, really? Skeleton? I don't think so. Um there were, there were other things I didn't get. So, okay, she can turn into electricity. Okay, that's fine. She can shoot electricity from her hands. Okay. She can control electronic devices. Sure, I'll go along with that. She can get inside televisions and giant screens. Okay, whatever. But 
she demonstrates super strength. There's one point when they're in that hydroelectric dam when she rips uh, uh, part of the dam apart with her bare hands to get at the energy core or whatever. You know, I don't know how a dam works. But she just rips this giant metal thing out of the ground. Like, how'd she get super strength? I can buy all the electric. Like, if she would have blasted it with whatever little energy she had left, because remember, she was running low. That's why she was, that's why she was looking for an energy source. I could buy that, but just ripping it out of the ground and throwing it away? It's not like it was a, a small thing. It was huge. And then, and know. then earlier, and this is always a pet peeve of mine. Pardon me as my voice goes out here is she almost instantly knows how to use her powers. I mean, this is a woman who just went through this traumatic event, is is scared, is frightened, all this and that, and instantly she knows how to blast people, how to turn herself into an electric form to go through the power lines, to get into the TV, to fly, to, to, to how does she put it, to change the ions around her, to give herself a... I didn't think that was a No, 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 no. I like the idea. I don't like the fact that she's doing it 30 minutes after she's gotten out of the hospital. Yeah. If, if they would have had a few days passed, then I could buy it. But this is shortly after she got out of the hospital. You know, you need to train. You need to understand how to use your powers. You just don't wake up one morning and go, hmm, I know how to fly all of a sudden and then fly perfectly. No, you're you're not going to be able to stick that landing. You might break your legs trying to do it, as a matter of fact. But here we got this girl just knowing it all. Now, I'm not saying I wanted this to be, you know, a 10-part epic studying Livewire. Oh, God, I don't want that. All I'm saying is they could have had a little thing on screen that says, you know, five days later, two days later even. And Superman's been looking for her, and now we know she's been messing with her powers, and she understand she has a better understanding on how to use them. But instantly, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. In cartoons, in movies, in comic books, any medium that features people using powers, I don't want people knowing how to use them right away. That's one of the reasons I sort of like heroes. These people, they're just getting their powers, and they're struggling with how to use them. Nobody knows the full extent of their power just yet, but... Character development. Exactly, people. exactly what it boils down to. Um... I, I, what else? You know what? I'll, I'll say one more thing about this one, and then James, if you want to have another say, go for it. Um, this one was uh, actually co-written by a fellow named Evan Dorkin, and the reason I mentioned that is because he's actually an indie comic book creator. He created these two characters, or he's best known for creating these characters called Milk and Cheese. Um, yes, it's a it's a glass of milk and a brick of cheese that have gone bad. And they just run around causing havoc. That's that's the gist of it all. <laughs> um, yep. So, yes, I thought it was cool that he was working on on this one. Um, and I lied. I will say one more thing. I think what they were attempting here with Livewire is they were trying to... Because Livewire wasn't in the comics before this. Later on, they would move her to the comics from the cartoon. I think they were trying to create the Harley Quinn of the Superman, the animated series universe. I Yeah, because... They're- Facial features were exactly the same as right. Ones. I mean, I really feel that's what they were trying to do. They were like, "We did it with Harley." No pun intended. I swear to God. Let's see if lightning strikes twice, and it really didn't.
Superman's gonna shred that guy from Central City. Don't bet on it, Jimmy. There's a good reason this guy's called the Flash. Oh, yeah? Well, if he's so swift, where is he? Sorry I'm late. Just woke up two minutes ago. Give me five, big guy. Eh, too slow. Flash, do you really think you stand a chance against the Man of Steel? Man of Steel, feet of lead. May I quote you? You could do more than that, doll. How about an exclusive after the race? A fast worker, eh? Just watch me. I'll run circles around this super slug. Save it for the race. Don't worry about me, pal. I got more than enough heat to burn your sorry... <clears throat> Thank you both for participating in this charitable event. The rules of the race are simple. The first man to circle the globe 100 times will be declared the fastest man alive. Next up today is Speed Demons. Uh, in this episode, Superman and, and The Flash are set to run a charity race where the winner will be the one who circles the globe 100 times first. Unbeknownst to them, uh, this guy and his brother have created this technology that will allow them to alter the weather of anywhere on, in the world of their choosing, basically. And the man who utilizes this technology calls himself the Weather Wizard. Flash and Superman have to team up to find him and take him down before he unleashes a devastating hurricane on Metropolis. <sighs> I'm noticing a disturbing trend of episodes here. This... This one is just, again, not that good, Yeah, to put it very mildly. This is one where it is what it is. You know, it's, as you said, it's not a great episode, but again, because it introduces the Flash, just like the same episodes that interview, introduced, I should say, Darkseid, and the one that introduced the Al Ghouls, I'm going to give it an extra point or two just because it introduces the Flash. It starts to expand out the DC animated universe. Um, yep. But yeah, at, at its heart, it's really just a cheesy, you know, team up story oh. about basically a mustache twirling villain. That's what this guy is. He's yeah. give me a billion dollars or I will freeze over Australia. I mean, that is exactly what's going on here. And I'm not joking in the slightest people. If you've never <laughs> seen this one, uh, go go see it just to understand that I am not joking. Anybody who has seen this one is going, yeah, Mike's telling the truth there. Um, oh man, if you thought the dialogue in what was the the second episode, Blast, Blast from the Past, if you thought that you thought that dialogue was bad, oh my mm. god, this episode was just teeming with horrible puns right and left. <laughs> Stopped them cold. Yeah, shut <laughs> face. <laughs> Oh my god. Now, here's the thing. If I don't say this, people are going to write in and and gripe that I didn't say this. Again, I understand what they were going here, going for here. They were going for that silver age era feeling. Again, we have Superman and the Flash teaming up as they did many times during the silver age to race. Um so because they're already starting with the silver age concept, they kind of went that way with the dialogue, as you said, freezing them in their tracks. And there's other things like that that are set. And so because of that, also, I don't think the villain was uh, explored as deeply as they have with other villains in the past. 
but there's a way to do that and make it work. And this wasn't that way. You know, if you want to see respect paid to the Silver Age, go look at Justice League, the new frontier. You know, that's that's the perfect example of how you pay respect to the Silver Age of comic books. This one, yeah, not so much. Or the Justice League episode. I was going to say, or the Justice League episode Legends. Right, yeah, that's another perfect example of it. This one, you know, again, it is what it is. It introduced the Flash. Um, it has some interesting moments, but overall, yikes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a good one. Um, though, I will say... Did you happen to notice who voiced the mayor of Metropolis? Yes, that would be Carl Lumbly. Who is? John Jones in so Justice League. So basically, we have John Jones in spirit, the Flash, and Superman all on screen at once. I thought that was super cool. And, and, uh, did you notice who voiced the Weather Wizard? I, he, for me, he's one of, hey, it's that guy, guys. Um, I do oh. know that he played john jones in justice league the new frontier yes miguel right so we have we have two martian manhunters in the same in the same scene too because remember he's there in disguise he's got the goatee on and the wig in the background so Mm -hmm. yeah um i also thought it was weird that this wasn't voiced by michael rosenbaum yeah i could not get into charlie uh, schlatter at all it was one of those things where i don't know if i wasn't crazy about the voice actor because it wasn't michael rosenbaum or if because he wasn't playing the character with enough life. I, I didn't know which way to go, so I didn't hold it against the episode. I mean, how, how can you hold it against the episode? I, I mean, oh, it's it's not the I it's can't. not the voice actor who would play him years later. That doesn't make any sense. You can't do no, that. No, you can't but do that. It, it's still, I felt, you know, if I saw this for the first time, maybe, if I was seeing this for the first time, I should say, maybe um, I'd be like, oh, he did a good job. And then years later, I'd be like, oh, okay, they, they changed voice actors, no big deal. But that's not the way it happened for me. I saw this one as a kid, but, you know, for me, The Flash is always going to be Michael Rosenbaum. So when I hear this voice, it's just not the same for me. It was just a combination of both things, not being Rosenbaum and the dialogue being so awful that you just couldn't really get into the character. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of things that I have I, I take issue with in this episode. Uh, the biggest one, I think, being near the end, shouldn't that wand, you know, when the wand gets, uh, knocked out of Wizard's hand, it shoots the entire Earth model. Shouldn't that have basically just destroyed the world? That's what Jenny said. She, like I said, she came in at the end of Livewire, so she watched all of this one with me, and she's like, did they just destroy the Earth? <laughs> and I'm like, it should I, have. I think so, but I don't know. <laughs> Instead, it just created like a black hole or something, didn't it? It started sucking them in yeah. towards the center of that thing, and then I don't even remember how it ended. What happened? The thing started to implode, the whole, and then what? The whole house blows up. The whole house blows did, up. Did they did they That's save it. the weather weather wizard? I don't even remember. Did he get sucked in? Yeah, they did. They all they all okay. escaped. Oh, huh. okay. Um, Superman saves the Flash and uh and Weather Wizard. Yeah, joyous times were had by all or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's like, and here we have. This is the second episode in a row where we have Superman fighting a guy with lightning powers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then and the, the animation in this episode was just, ugh, top to bottom. It was just not good. Uh, I like the, I like the speed effects, though. Well, yeah, and the sound effects were pretty good, mm-hmm. actually. I, I will give so, it that. I, um, I didn't think the animation was too bad, though. 
I'm not saying it was, mm. you know, top notch, but I, it didn't really bother me. Because, again, again, I was enamored by the speed effect. I liked the effect when they got iced over on the side of the road. Um, I thought that was really cool how it just built, 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 built. And the next thing you know, they're in this, like, giant block of ice. I thought that was pretty nifty. So it worked for me. Um, let's see. When uh, when Weather Wizard's brother drives off the cliff, and I, you know, before I even say that, I gotta say something else here. I think that, you know, if, if I saw like, baseball sized ice balls flying at me, I'd, uh, I don't know, stop driving. And like hide on the floor of the maybe car. That, maybe that's just, yeah. yeah. These things are breaking his windshield, and he keeps driving. But anyway, my original point here. When he falls off the cliff, the Flash just catches him. Yeah. I can see Superman. Yes, if Superman caught him, sure, fine. But uh, not the Flash. That guy should have crushed him. They should both be dead. That was another thing. Now, if Flash used a tornado, his tornado arms, that's fine. Because we see that he does that all the time in Justice Mm -hmm. League. But he didn't. He just caught him. He should be dead. Yeah, I thought for sure Flash was going to do one of two things. Uh, Create a mini vortex to catch him, as you said. Or... Maybe he was going to use super speed to like kind of jump up and grab him out of the air, you know, and then I don't know somehow push his own his landing or something, you know. Yeah, just he could just run up run along the side. Right. Of the cliff. Yeah, I thought he was going to do something like that, out. but he just sticks his arms out and catches him like the guy's only falling two feet. It's like no, he just fell off a cliff. I don't know about this. <laughs> or if he was catching a pillow uh, or something. I don't... Yeah. Now I have a question though. Remember the uh, when Superman and the Flash first see the weather, weather wizards attack, they're running over the ocean, and they, Superman mm-hmm. spies a, uh, an oil tanker that uh, has been caught in this storm. So Supes runs over there. He saves a bunch of the guys. He saves two of the guys uh, that fell overboard. Flash saves the other one. Superman dives in the water to seal up the, uh, uh, the hull breach, and, but there's still all the oil in the water. Flash jumps into the water and he starts running around uh, to basically contain the oil, but they never show what he does with the oil because it doesn't go back into the tanker because Superman sealed it up while the Flash is still on top of the water, you know, gathering it up. So what did Flash do with all that oil that got spilled? I I think my bigger the bigger question for me in that, that scene is why is Superman using his heat vision around spilled oil? <laughs> that's that's brilliant. That, that's just that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> and God, were those some horrible Australian accents? They were Australian. <laughs> I'm not even joking. They were Australian. Oh, I yeah. Didn't catch they that. were supposed to be Australian, <laughs> and they were. Oh my God, those accents were horrible. If I, I think if I were an Australian person and I watched that, I'd be like, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> This one came a lot sooner than I thought it did, too. When You mean in terms of overall yeah, series? Yeah, exactly. When, um, you know, when, when we announced what episodes we were going to be covering at the end of the last episode, you know, I read this one off, and we, we stopped recording, and I thought to myself, Speed Demons? Is that the Flash one? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. And I kind of convinced myself that it wasn't. And when I popped this one in and it started up, I'm like, my God, this is the this is the Flash one. I really thought this came like midway through the second. I don't want to say season because I don't know how many seasons this show ran, but the middle of the second DVD set. 
of Superman yeah. the Animated Series. I didn't think it was the second to last, ep- or no, the last episode in the first set. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I felt the same way. I thought this – in fact, I would venture to guess that I, if you had just asked me when this episode comes along in the series, I thought it comes after the late Mr. Oh. Kent. I don't know. I thought it was way, way down the line, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This one – I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I don't really have much more to say about it's just I wish I could remember remember some more of the god awful puns that were just puked out there the whole episode because there were plenty of here's them. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They were very bad. Like I said earlier, it was cheesy and whatnot. But I like what the actor again. What did you say the weather wizard's name was? Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, I like what that guy was able to do with the character. He played him a little cheesy because that's how the lines were written. It's not like the lines were written serious and he played them cheesy. You know, he he took it, and I thought he made it work for what it was. Well, he didn't. You're right because he didn't. Uh, he didn't go into over the top loud, just really loud mouth mode. He kept them really calm and collected right. when he said them. So I see where you're coming right. from. So there. again, I'm, I'm going to say this one last time, it's just so people don't write in. But I know they're still gonna. Um, I, I fully understand they were going for a Silver Age feel. It just didn't work i you know i like that they introduced the flash this way and you know with the race i thought that was the perfect way to introduce him but i don't know if the weather wizard was the guy they they should have been going up against i just don't think the writing in this one was the strongest i can't believe i forgot about this but i need to ask you this because they find out that it's the weather wizard causing all this nonsense to happen flash mentions that he knows he knows the guy from central city that and he stopped his plans before but when we're first introduced to him, and he puts on the Weather Wizard costume. I was under the impression that that was his do- first donning of that costume. Oh, it was. I think what uh, the Flash was getting at was that he met him when the guy was a different type of criminal, before he became, like, a super criminal. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this guy had a life yeah. of crime before he became the Weather Wizard. He Flash put him away. The guy got out of jail or whatever, and now he's back, but he's picked up this gimmick of the weather wizard. I'm 99% sure that's what we were supposed to imply. They're supposed to take away from that. That makes sense. Take a wrong step, Mr. Kent? What? Clark! Uh, thanks, Superman. Maybe you two should leave the dirty work to the authorities, hmm? Uh, I... Yeah, right. Have you ever known me to play it safe? I suppose not. We should have a word about that. Maybe over dinner? Um, fine with me. Eight o'clock? Meet you on the roof of the planet. It's a date. A date? (laughs) Must be this new perfume. Hey, Smallville, you all right? Uh, yeah. A little shaken up, I guess. You go on ahead, Lois. I feel like walking it off. Are you nuts? We're miles from nowhere. What about the story? You know us country bumpkins. Ten miles to school and all that. Your loss. My byline. Lastly, we have the introduction of Bizarro in Identity Crisis. Hence the reason, oh, James started this episode in Bizarro speak. Um... How this one starts out is Superman is flying around, doing his normal thing, saving kids, 
you know, just, just saving people. That's what Superman does. Well, we see this, uh, this police chase and behind them, we see, uh, Lois's car. So we know that she's following, you know, she's trying to get a story and her car, they're, they're on this mountain road and her car kind of careens out of control at one point and someone falls out and is caught by Superman, but it's not Lois that's caught by Superman. It's Clark Kent that's caught by Superman. So right away, there's this big, what the hell kind of moment. Even Clark is having it. He's like, uh, thanks for saving me, Superman. Um, so Clark, uh, he, you know, he's able to, again, sneak away as he's so good at doing. Uh, he turns into Superman and he hunts down this imposter Superman. And uh, when he does that, we notice that the imposter Superman, um, his skin, his Caucasian skin is starting to turn bleach white. So, again, you know, if you know the mythos, you understand who this character is going to turn into. And Superman's telling him, look, you know, because the, the phony's all like, I'm Superman. You know, I don't know who you are. And the, the real Superman's like, look, don't play this game with me. Your makeup's wearing off. Who are you? What's going on? The phony Superman's able to get away. He goes back, quote unquote, home to his uh, laboratory. And uh, it turns out that Lex Luthor is funding a um a, a cloning experiment of superman uh we find out that in the episode uh, a little piece of home when the dinosaur the robot dinosaur attacked superman superman bled and luthor was able to get that blood and that's what he's using to to clone these superman except they're, they're flawed models obviously they're turning into these white hulking beasts because by the time uh quote unquote superman gets back to his lab he's hunched over, his arms are longer, his chest is a little bigger, even his costume has become deformed, his face is all misshapen, his hair is in shambles, and he's fully turned into Bizarro. And, of course, it's Mercy that names him Bizarro. And, uh, you know, the thing with this episode is, is, is that this Bizarro isn't necessarily a bad guy. He thinks he's Superman because Luthor and his uh, scientific cronies have implanted these false memories in this fake Superman to make him think he really is Superman. So he really does want to help people. He's just doing it in this backwards sort of Bizarro way. Um, by the end, Superman and Bizarro have to team up to save Lois's life and uh, try to stop Luthor. I think that one's this. I think that sums this one up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, a good episode. <laughs> it only took us five episodes into a, into an episode of World's Finest Podcast. We have a, I love yes. this episode. Yes. I really do. Yes. Um, and it's it's like um, it's got some great one liners. Uh, it's got um, I love the I I think first off I love the fact that Tim Daly voiced yeah. Bizarro. Because I had forgotten that he had voiced Bizarro. At the end credits, I was like, all right, well, so who voiced Bizarro? Tim Daly. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's because that, that was really great because he had to pull double duty, and he did a great job yeah. with it. I loved his trail. Yeah, there's a couple of points where you can he when he's in Bizarro mode, where you can hear his Superman voice sort of coming out. And I like that mm -hmm. because he should at points still sound like Superman because at his core, he is a clone of Superman. So it makes sense that that would sneak through uh, here and there. And I, I thought his, his voice acting on Bizarro was great, especially at the ending when Bizarro truly becomes a sympathetic character. Because at first you think maybe he's this big bad villain, 
But then you find out, no, he's just a clone. But then he's still doing things that are kind of bad, even though he's trying to help. But then at the end, he really becomes sympathetic. And it really comes through in the voice, all thanks to the acting. I mean, I'm not kidding. At the yeah. end, I wrote in my I wrote in my notes, "Poor Bizarro." I wanted to cry for that guy. Such a sad mm-hmm. ending. I mean, he's not as sympathetic as a Mister Freeze or a Two Face, but he's up there. He definitely is because he wanted no part of this. You know, he wasn't even a normal schlub that got turned into this, like the parasite. This is just a clone gone wrong, and. Despite that, he still wants to do good, and he does good. He saves Superman and Lois's life because he sees that he is not Superman. You know what? You know what this one reminded me of a lot was um, Perchance to Dream, because we get Superman versus Superman, or excuse me, Batman versus Batman in that one. And in that one, Batman, the real Batman, the Bruce Wayne, is screaming at the phony Batman, the Mad Hatter one, like, "What's going on?" Except from at this point, we're getting it from the opposite angle. You see what I'm saying? We're getting the phony yeah. one accusing the real one of being a fake. And it also reminded me of uh, his Silicon Soul with the emo robot Batman. It yeah. reminded me of both of those. Um, and I think in part that might come from the fact that this was co-written by Joe Lansdale, who, if I if memory serves, wrote Perchance to Dream, didn't he? Did yes, he, he did. also do his Silicon Soul or was that someone else? Because uh, you know, Lansdale only did I think it. about it, he might have done he might have done his Silicon Soul now. Okay, I think about but it. I guess I, I know at the very least he did per chance. So maybe that's why some of the similarities are there. Um, I forgot what my original point was. Um, I, I can't remember what it was, but there you go. That's uh, I guess I'll just kind of trail off. <laughs> what, what are some more thoughts you have about <laughs> this one? Um, how about Luthor admitting that he collected blood? <laughs> that that that's pretty. That's another pretty risky thing that they've they're adding onto their resume mm-hmm. here, the DCAU guys, yeah. and uh, and also you know continuity, mm-hmm. get get more continuity, even though because most of these episodes we reviewed today have no continuity to them whatsoever. So it was nice to get back into the the you know storyline and progress. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's so many funny lines in this thing because it's you know they stem from Bizarro. Of course, but uh, there was one in the very beginning where the where bizarre, you know, quote unquote, Superman saves the kid from falling. And it, I, I, before I even say anything else, uh, Bizarro saves three people from falling. Yeah. yeah. In the first, in the first what four oh, minutes okay, of the yeah. episode. <laughs> but uh, the kid, the kid is like, like, one of the kids is like, "What if he dies?" The other one's like, "I'm not telling his mom." <laughs> I like I like the follow up line. Superman gives him kind of a Boy Scout, you know, you should your oh, yeah. speech, and the kids are like, "We're sorry, Superman." And when Superman's out of earshot, or the kids think he is, the oldest one's like, "What a dork!" The other one's like, "No, he's not." <laughs> that was meant to be. But that whole that whole exchange was like, I wanted the uh, and knowing is half yeah. the battle to come after, right after. They were so parroting those old GI Joe PSAs, but I liked that. He's a dork. No, he's not spiel. Because, you know, it, it felt like real kids to me. These are kids we've never seen before. We're never going to see again. But the writer, again, uh, well, Lansdale did the story. He didn't actually do the script. But, okay, so the, the, the guy who did script this one, whose name I can't remember, um, you know, that shows he understands how to write kids, at least to some extent. You know, because that's a real fight little kids are going to have. You're a dumbass. No, oh, yeah. I'm not. You're stupid. He's stupid. Whatever, you know. 
it's it was so fun. yeah exactly it was it was just a fun little moment that kind of led into an episode that got dark it starts out fun and then it gets kind of dark and depressing with what happens to bizarro by the end I'll say though when they're up on the mountain and uh quote unquote superman stops the uh the the crook's car that car should have stopped immediately he should never should have gone yeah. like back that, and those guys should have flown about three miles through yeah. the windshield. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I'm like, Superman stopping a car. Yeah, he uh, he shouldn't have that much trouble doing that. <laughs> I mean, he can stand there while a tank runs into him. He can just stand perfectly still, but a sedan knocks him I mean, back. The only possible thing you could say is that he was using less of his strength to bring it to a slow stop because he didn't want to hurt the guys. Where if it's a tank, he's got to be a little more forceful with it. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out. Well, maybe it's just Bizarro isn't as strong. Yeah. I don't know. Well, no, that doesn't make any sense because Bizarro's clearly as strong exactly. as he is. Exactly. Um, I, I want to throw out two more lines that I, I thought were awesome in this one. I think I know what you're going to say, but okay. go ahead. <laughs> Bizarro, you know, Mercy calls him Bizarro, and he's all freaking out. He's like, no, me, Superman. And he, he flies away through the roof of this, you know, uh, mountainside laboratory, and it all crumbles, like, the whole roof crumbles down. Luthor looks at Mercy, and he's like, that's coming out of your pay. And it's just so dry, <laughs> and it's like, you know he means it, too. It's Lex Luthor, you know? And then the other one is when uh, Bizarro, again, he thinks he's doing good. He's He sees a crane demolishing a building, and he thinks it's like a <laughs> robot or a monster doing it. So he, instead of just, like, ripping the ball off the crane, he, like, rips the whole crane off the stand spins it around, throws it. Superman is able to catch it in time before it, like, destroys this, like, uh, lakeside wedding. And he grabs it, and they all look up at him like, oh, it's Superman. But they're all curious, like, why is this crane falling out of the sky? And he's just like, don't ask me. I just catch him. <laughs> I thought that was a hilarious. Just You know, it, it's Superman just having fun. You know, it shows you, like... You know, he's a big part of Metropolis, and people look up to him, but he doesn't want to come across like this god, which is what the other Kryptonians in Blast from the Past wanted to be. They wanted to be gods of Earth, and he just wants to be a guy that's out there having fun, saving these people's lives, interacting with them. And that's how he shows it, by joking around with them from time to time. So I thought it was a great moment. Uh, not only was it a funny line, but it was also a great moment of characterization. Oh, there was another one, though, when uh, Bizarro takes Lois out on the uh, on the date. <laughs> Um, as they're leaving, as after Lois elicits all that information from him about how where he comes from and uh, how to get there, uh, Lois is like, "Use the door this time." He's like, "Okay." They fly. He flies through the door, and Lois is going, yeah. "Ow!" <laughs> yeah, that was funny too because anytime Superman has held Lois or anybody else and had to like bust through something, he always bends his head down to to protect their head. You know, it's, it's, you have to look for it, but he does do it every single time. And Bizarro doesn't do that, so Lois got a little bumped. <laughs> yep. And uh, I had a question, though. Shouldn't he? Shouldn't Bizarro have been saying, me always hurt you, instead of me never hurt you, or whatever he said? It, it just, it, <laughs> or me, it's a, me always, no, it was me always save Lois, or me always save you. Shouldn't he have been saying, me always hurt you? It depends on who's writing Bizarro. Um, Bizarro speak changes all the time, all the yeah, time. Sometimes true. they just change the me for I, and they kind of gruff him up a little. Sometimes they do change it, you know, where again, earlier in the episode, 
I didn't say hello, James. I said goodbye, James. Sometimes they'll go that route where they just reverse everything he yeah. says. Um, and I think they made the smart decision here by having him just sound a little gruff and a little slow instead of going the full on opposite because chances are that would confuse exactly. the hell out of kids. You know, now when they bring him back a second and third time, because of course he does come back several times, they could start to change his speak towards that. Uh, that way. I'm not saying they do. I can't remember if they do. Um, but, oh, well, they do, I guess, a little, because there is that famous line in uh, The Great Brain Exchange where he says, am you, am you Bizarro's mommy? When, of course, he means, are you my daddy? Um, yeah. So they, they do have him change things up later on, but they, they gradually went towards that. Because if, if a kid's seeing this for a first time, they're like, wait, what does he mean he always hurts Lois? I don't get that. And that's not just kids. If if parents were watching it with their kids and they know who Superman is, but they don't know who Bizarro is, they're not going to get it either. So I, I, it worked for me, and I think it was the best mm-hmm. thing they could have done with the character. Um, and personally, yeah. I, I sometimes feel that that whole complete backwards talk is uh, can get to be a little too much. I prefer this, this the way he speaks here over any other way. Um. Does Bizarro come back in Superman, the animated series? Yes, he does. Um, when Jen and I were on holiday, uh, we were watching JetX, and because uh, you know we had we were sitting in the hotel room and there weren't too many stations, so we're flipping through the channels. I see Superman, I start watching it. Right. Well, uh, there was mm-hmm. one with uh, uh, Bizarro and Mixie. Mixie tricked Bizarro into going after Superman for some reason. I can't remember why. Um, so yeah, he comes back at least once here and then I know he's in Justice League a few times. Well, yeah, because I was going to ask in Justice League, not only is he, does he debut as a full fledged villain? He works for Luthor right. and like, it just confused the hell out of me. And I'm not, obviously I'm not even, I'm not even thinking of taking points off of or anything. It was just, I was just confused by how they re-debut him there because I didn't know if he comes back as a villain in Superman, the animated series, given how heroic his, his ending is here. Well, you have to remember during justice league, and I don't remember at what part this happens, if it's shown, if it's said, but it, it's, it happens. Nonetheless, uh, Luthor lobotomizes bizarro. Remember later on, bizarro has that scar on his forehead. Do you, you, yeah, just look at, go watch the great brain robbery. Bizarro has a scar on his forehead, and I, we see it in other episodes before that, I believe. And that's because Luthor lobotomized, lobotomized him. Um, oh. Again, because okay. I know how he I know how he sends Bizarro after Superman. He's like, Superman is your best right, friend. Yeah. See, he's, under, he's like, I understand me understand me have to kill Superman. So yeah. Um, like I said, I don't remember the, the lobotomy happening, but I know it does because one of the commentaries mention it. it. I think there's a commentary for the Great Brain Robbery, and in there, one of the guys goes, is that a scar on Bizarro's head? And they explain the lobotomy thing. Oh, So okay. there, there must be an episode where it's it's mentioned or it's it's shown or something. Because remember, uh, Luthor gets control of all their powers. Remember that? So right. maybe that was his way of controlling Bizarro either there or earlier on in the Justice League. I don't know. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, yeah. Now, I think my biggest gripe with this one, and it's 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 a small thing, really. So when I say biggest gripe, you know, understand. I mean, it's not that big. Why does Bizarro's costume change? 
when he goes from being Superman to Bizarro. It becomes purple, and the S gets all kind of crazy looking. What was up with that? Well, was the S stretched in? No, out? no, because the was S... Just... Okay, you know how Superman's got that crest on his chest? No, I, I, I know how it looks. I know how I, both right. the, uh, the Superman S and Bizarro right. S look. Right, out, Superman's so. S is contained within the crest. Bizarro's, the top mm-hmm. of the S, comes out of the crest. There's no way that the... Even if it was stretched that the S would have popped out of the top like that. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not like one side was yeah. longer than the other because his chest is, is this formed. It's no, it's, it's, that it, it is, it's clearly changed. I mean, even the font of the S changed and the color of the costume changed. I don't know what happened. It's like, it's like he changed costumes. It's literally like he's, Oh, I'm ugly. Now me put on an ugly costume. But like I said, it's, it's a small gripe. It really is. I'm just throwing it out there because it has to be said. I just, it's not like Bruce Banner turning into the Hulk and his pants rip. I mean, this is a full on costume change. Mm hmm. That's, I know. Um, now, Lois says at one, oh, I know what it was. Lois here says, oh my God, which again is a, another, rarity in the DCAU. I think there was another Oh My God in one of the episodes that precede this one, too, not to interrupt you. Yeah, I think there was, too. I just don't remember Mm -hmm. where it was. But, uh, yeah, Lois says Oh My God when she sees all Mm -hmm. the clones. No, 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 it wasn't when she saw the clones. It was when she saw the size of Superman's penis. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I had to go there. There's like a dozen naked Superman clones. She saw a dozen Superman penises. That's what she was oh my godding. Not the fact that there were clones. You got me there. That's all. That's all. Um, to be more accurate, it was probably the fact that Superman had no penis. Because if you look at those, <laughs> if you look yeah. at those clones. They're Ken dolls. Okay. So just we're Ken talking dolls. about incestuous alien animals earlier, and now I'm talking about Superman having or not having a penis. Oh, it's late. I love this I show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, speaking oh. of all those clones, I think one of the coolest shots in this was that scene where Bizarro truly realizes that Superman is a good guy, that Superman really is Superman. And when they show it, uh, it's Bizarro standing in front of the remaining clone chambers. And behind him, even behind the chambers, um, fire rages. And it's this really cool kind of epic, sad shot of this character and you finally understand what this character is all about. You know, he really thought he was Superman. He thought something happened to him that made him this way. And this other guy's an imposter, but he's finally realizing, you know, Superman saving Lois. That means Superman is Superman. That means Superman's a good guy. That means I'm not Superman, but I can still be a good guy by helping them out. It was, you get all of that in this like maybe two second shot. Yeah. And then Lois, caps it off with you know as they're escaping she confirms she says you are a hero and then bizarro just kind of smiles and that's it the whole the whole place just explodes and basically a, what amounts to a a, a mini nuclear blast cuz kind of luthor says what he has like a half kiloton of yeah. explosives in there yeah it's, it's this huge explosion and superman even you know lois says do you think he survived and superman says i hope so but I've never been in a blast that size. I don't know if I could survive that. So, yeah, that that may be the end of Bizarro. But of course, we know it's not. But you know, it could have been. <laughs> right. One other thing I got to say about uh, this episode is the music. 
the music playing behind Bizarro as he tries to fly around after he leaves the after he crashes out of the laboratory the, the, the first time when he's when after Mercy calls him Bizarro, the music is just hilarious because it's like the heroic music slightly warped playing behind Bizarro as he's trying to do all these heroic deeds and he's just kind of meandering around in the air, not really flying in a straight line. He's just kind of somersaulting all over the place. Yeah, I, it was so funny. Yeah, I didn't notice the music so much because I was laughing at what you said, him somersaulting out of buildings instead of just putting his hands up and flying out of the roof or out a window or something. You're right. He just sort of like tumbles through the sky when he hits, when he hits roofs. I thought that was really inventive and, you know, shows that not only is he not like Superman in the way he talks and the way he looks, but also the way he uses his powers because he has virtually no control over them. <laughs> uh, so do you want to do our scores then? Yeah, let's do the scores. Okay, so what do you give the Promethean? Uh, this one was a little tough because of it. we said it was just there, but again, this one was just – it had so many plot holes in it. I'm, I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a five because I'm sticking by my – it is just sort of there. Um, the two-part blasts from the past. I'm probably grading this a little too high, but I'm also going to grade this a four. I'm giving this one a th- – Three, and I think I might be being a little generous with that. Um, Livewire. Right down the middle of five, because it was just, the character was just so damn annoying. I echo what you said. Uh, Speed Demons. Just slightly higher, 5.5. Very disappointing to tell you. Right, like I said, when we first started speaking about Speed Demons, I gave this one uh, at least one extra point because it introduced the Flash. I'm giving this one a six where normally this one would have been a four or maybe a five. And the last one, Identity Crisis. A nine. I give that one an eight. Superman! Superman save Lois. of emails and mp3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com again that's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com remember to also leave us reviews on itunes preferably good ones next time on world's finest podcast we'll discuss five more episodes from superman the animated series those being target mixie pixelated action figures double dose and solar power for james doe i'm michael david sims saying thank you for listening to world's finest podcast